Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. It's the Anna podcast. Wow, great. After all that. I mean, what was it going to... I don't know. There's no... There's... It's the final flight of the podcast. Okay, great. Congratulations. Yeah, that's good. fine. I just didn't want to... My name's David Sims. Oh, hi, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. Uh, and welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David, the Podchowski casters, the final bonus episode. I mean, I feel like you could have put a point on the colon in between the two mm. things, but... I'm trying to move beyond colons. Uh, I am too, because I got horrible diarrhea today. <laughs> trying to move beyond <laughs> this old colon. I Good got, night, everybody. Got violent. Ben, turn off the podcast. <laughs> diarrhea. Um, diarrhea. Diarrhea. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, I'm having a diarrhea poma. Um, uh, hi, everybody. We are uh, hashtag the two friends. Correct. Uh, you may not know this about us. This is sort of what that means is that we are two friends, right? And, this and is, we are the two friends. This is the sort of proprietary thing that our podcast has going for it, right? That we are the two friends. We are the two. There friends. are a lot of podcasts, hundreds, yeah, maybe thousands. I've heard. Are they hosted by two friends? No. And here's another thing. I've met a lot of people who are like, "Oh, this is my friend. We're friends." Mm. Have you ever heard of two friends? One, two. Nope. We're one, two friends. End of story. Hashtag yep. it. Share it. Put it on a pog. Slam it. Share it with your friends. So hot, they're cool. So cool, they're hot. Is that was that the pogs? That was the pop stars, uh, pop pop tarts um, catchphrase. Oh yeah, put it on a pop tart. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So this is look. If it seems like we're uh, avoiding the subject at hand, it's because you know this is a bittersweet day. Mm, it's always sad. kind of sad when we end a miniseries. Yeah. And we always do this kind of bonus episode. I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to live without these guys. I really am. I'm gonna miss the Wachowskis. I, I love. I love these folks. Yeah. They're the best. Uh, Lily and Lana Wachowski are good friends. Uh, directors <laughs> of Bound, I The Matrix. Sneezed. The Matrix Reloaded. God bless you was their fourth feature film. No, it wasn't. The Matrix Revolutions. Uh, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, and the Netflix original series, Sense8. Right. Um, we've talked about all these things. Because that's what we do on this we've podcast. We've watched dozens of hours of content and uh, given you dozens of hours right, of content. Th- and that was just Sense8. Woo! Dozens of hours of content. Yeah. Uh, here, here's a fun fact for our listeners. Uh, after last week, when when I binged all of Sense8 in one night, uh, I then got sick and have been sick up until this very recording. I heard you saying that. So is this, you're still sick, you're saying? I'm getting over it. Uh, this is, you know, this is my, my last flight of the Phoenix or whatever, you know, the, of the Asai or whatever that fucking thing is called. I'm getting better. That's what's happening right mm-hmm. now is I'm just pooping out the remaining sickness. I'm doing fine. But if I sound a little uh, uh, congesty, uh, I, I, you know, George Mucusy, uh that's that's what's going on there. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what we do on this podcast is we pick filmmakers who had big success early on in their careers and they got a blank check to make crazy stuff. Yeah. And uh, the Wachowskis were subject for this miniseries and now the book is closed. And the reason we do these bonus episodes 
we just, you know, we finish the filmography and then we're left with all these remaining feelings that we need to put somewhere, right? So we pick a sort of... Yeah, sort of just uh, we can return to their aesthetic. We just yes. pick like a little thing we can dip back into. Here's like an adjacent piece of material. Now, so this is not something they directed. The, no, it's not. Although the mistake we made with Shyamalan was that we watched The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan, which was too weird for us to really spend much time in M. Night Shyamalan. We had to just talk about that weird thing. It's one of my favorite episodes. It, it's a good episode. It's a good episode. Johnny Depp kind of ruined it, though. Good episode, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Johnny Depp's future yes, horrible yes. actions kind of ruined that episode because we're so excited about Johnny Depp in that episode. When you talk about the horrible actions, you mean Alice Through the Looking Glass, right? Can we talk about Alice Through the Looking Glass for a second? For Not Johnny Depp. Have you seen it? Yeah. I okay. reviewed it for The oh, Atlantic. Really? Yes, I'm a film critic, and I reviewed it for The Atlantic. How is that tomato looking? I gave it a rotten <laughs> you tomato. Did? I did. Because I get to pick. You know? Yeah. Uh, some people don't want to pick, but I, I like to pick okay, when t- I put my entry. Tell when... me about this movie. Well, it's not good. Yeah. Okay. I'd heard that. <laughs> and uh, it's just interesting because it is a blank check movie, you know, in a weird sort of a way. I mean, it's just a yeah. film where a lot of money has been lavished on something that I don't know that anyone can really understand why, except for money, you know, like, except for the original movie made a lot of money. Yeah, but it's kind of a fool me once kind of thing. Like the uh, 100%. made a lot of money, but no one really liked it. It wasn't very popular. It came out f- five or six years ago. You know, it's not it six out, years ago. It came out six years ago, and it came out two months after Avatar. When yeah, people were and like, people were like, like 3D. movie's in 3D? We're yeah. going to be in Wonderland. It's like we'll be there. And then the movie sucked. Six years later, here comes a movie. It's called Alice Through Looking Glass. It has no bearing. It, like, it's not no adapted to that from book. the book. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. The book is in the, 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 that book is in the first movie, I think, yeah. yeah. And so I didn't really like the movie, but no one has agreed with me on this, but I've been trying to talk about it, and I have a podcast, so I can talk about it. Please. I think that Sasha Baron Cohen is terrific in it. I've heard one other person say that. Who, who, I can't uh, remember who it was, but okay. some critic on Twitter said, I don't think anyone's calling out that Sasha Baron Cohen's really good. He's so good. He plays time, yeah. the uh, concept of the time. The abstract concept, yeah. Basically as this somewhat snooty, sort of like unctuous, like, you know, kind of persnickety little dude with a clockwork head. And he's great. And I just think every scene with him is great. And I just I just think it's a lost opportunity that like no one's going to really ever talk about that performance or the obvious work he put into it. Well, it was directed by James Bobin, uh, who yeah. did the two recent other movies, like. which I love. I like him a lot. Her- I mean, I love his work on Flight of the Concords, which well, is very visually inventive. You he know. also directed all of the HBO LEG series. Yeah, right. So that's he, right. it he's makes sense that he got a good him, yeah. performance out of him because he's a... He also did, he did a short film with Dimitri Martin, uh-huh. I think called 1221, about like 13 years ago that I loved, that I, I okay. watched over and over again when I was at the peak of my Dimitri Martin phase. I like James Wobin a lot. I like the recent Muppet movies. It's a bummer for me yeah. that like, that, that- He's been forced into this direction. Yeah, because I think it's everyone probably told him time. it was like, it feel, It definitely feels like a waste of time. And they also probably told him like, oh man, this is easy. Everyone's going to go sure, see it. They saw the last money. one. You'll just make the money just like toe the line. And it's a huge bomb. I mean, I assume it'll probably clean up enough worldwide to sort of forgive uh, whatever they outlaid I mean, on it. But no, it's a disaster. They're not going to make money. They might not lose too much. Sure. But uh, I do worry about him, too. I agree with you. I think the film is better looking and more visually inventive than Burton's film. Yeah. I think he did a good job given the horrible script and stupid idea. But well, it's not good. But just wanted to shout out. SBC. I think Sasha Baron Cohen's a great actor when he's not uh, doing his own movies. He's in a terrible career phase right now. Yeah, he's not yeah, going to pull out of it. He's, he's in a Russell Brand tailspin. I don't think yeah. he can pull out of it. Uh, he also uh, just signed on to do a Mandrake the Magician film, so he's not pulling out of it. <sighs> wait, um, wait, which one of which? Uh, Russell or SBC? 
SBC Ooh. just signed on to do a Mandrake Ooh. the Magician film from the director of Gethard. You know that movie Gethard with Will Ferrell? How dare you? It's Get Hard. And Kevin Hart. Uh, is uh, that uh, Etan Cohen? Yes. yes is yeah. directing Mandrake the Magician. Um, uh, James Bobin is supposed to do uh, MIB 23 next, which is the Men in the Black, Men in Black to Jump Street crossover. Jump Street Here's sequel. the thing. I think James Bobin's got a great sense of comedy. I think mm-hmm. he's w- one of the most visually inventive comedy directors. He's a, he is a, at least was a visually inventive comedy director. Well, he knows yeah. how to give sort of lightness yes. of touch with performances and a good sort of pace and energy, but also get these kind of cool aesthetics into his stuff. It's annoying to me that all he's doing is brand management. Yeah. Like, as someone who loves the Muppets, he's made four, he's like, his first four movies are going to be big brands. Yeah. Just taking over yeah. franchises that other people have established. And it's like, why can't he invent? Yeah, make a weird little thing, dude. Maybe he doesn't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't, I don't know. know. He always kind of has, though, because honestly, uh, directing an HBO Ali G show and directing Flight of the Concords is brand management in its own much smaller scale kind of way. You know, there's are two established acts that yeah. he is giving a visual sense to. So maybe that's what it is. Those are some thoughts. Shasha Baron Cohen's really good in Hugo and Sweeney Todd and Alice Through Looking Glass. He's in so, good in so many movies that he didn't, like, write. Agreed. I have two final questions about Alice Through the Looking Glass before we talk about the movie we're talking about today, The Animatrix, okay? Oh, and he's good in Lee Miz. He's okay. I mean, whatever. Yeah, he's he fine in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The bed. Okay, two important no, questions. No, I'll answer any question. How'd my baby Colleen Atwood do? I mean, you know, good. A lot of I, costume. Yeah, it's very... Yeah. I liked the time costume. I like the costumes. Alice is wearing this Chinese, like, trouser suit. Yeah, I saw that. It looks like a rainbow vomited. It's not great. But, I mean, the idea is it's supposed to be. Okay. But, like, she's supposed to look, stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. But, like, they have her in it the whole movie, and at a certain point, you're like, can't she fucking take that off and just put anything else on? Like a tank top or something. (laughs) Uh, Love you, Colleen. Uh, Second question. Uh, Worth buying the Disney Infinity figures? Uh, I cannot imagine how I could answer that question. Isn't Disney Infinity dead? Yeah, so we're looking. Those are the penultimate releases. I What's like the final one after? Finding Dory. Ugh, Hard buy for me. It's grim. Getting those, but then it's like it's I look grim. at the Alice things. I would like, get time. See, because I've been a completist up until now, but now that I know the thing's dead, it's Dead Man Walking. Yeah. These are just like they literally had made them before they canceled. No, they were like, fuck, yeah. let's ship them out. Yeah. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the Animatrix. R.I.P. Yeah. Disney Infinity. Did you guys know that 13 years ago there was a series of anime films collected around the Matrix universe that was released on DVD? One of them was released theatrically. Yeah, before, yes. not before the Matrix Reloaded. Before yes, before. Some, I thought it was before oh, something oh, oh, else. I'm, I'm sorry, I thought you meant before the release of Matrix Reloaded. No. The film it played in front of was Dreamcatcher. Right, that's it. That's why I saw Dreamcatcher. Yes. Yeah. Uh, same here. Yeah. Oof. Uh, great movie. Poop Monsters. Um, We've talked about it, Ben. Two Poop Monsters. We've talked about it on this podcast before. Yeah. Oh, hey. Wait a second. Yeah. What's up? Is that, <laughs> is that Ben Hosley? Yeah. Hey, I'm here, guys. Oh, we've got his name settled. Oh, we, na- we nailed it. Uh, yeah. Can you pull up, uh, just so we can properly credit the person who came oh, up with let, this? Let me find it. Uh, I'll, look, I'll stall. I'll stall while you're doing that. Here are some other names that Ben has. <laughs> uh, producer Ben? Yeah. Producer Ben. Right. Ben Deucer. The Haas, the Poet Laureate, Birthday Benny, Mr. Positive, the Fuckmaster. He is not Professor Crispy. No, no, thank you. Don't you dare. Is his audio crisp? Yes, of course. He's good at his job. Does that make him a professor? No. That's not an honorary title. You need a degree. Yeah, I don't have patches on okay. my elbows. He's got patches I'm... on his elbows. 
He's also accumulated certain titles oh, God. after we graduate from a miniseries, right? <laughs> yes. Producer Ben Kenobi was like, mm-hmm. then as we got through the supplemental Star Wars things, we handed him Kylo Ben, right? <laughs> okay, then we moved on to M. Night Shyamalan, and he became Ben Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. We've been struggling to come up with a nickname to fit the Wachowskis. That's right. We and thought like, about the Benovingian or the Merovingi Ben. Like both totally good. It, but, but like in the stream of nicknames, it wasn't really Doesn't, flowing. Yeah, Ben, you didn't like him. Yeah, it just didn't seem to roll off the tongue. I would struggle to so say ben, it. Ben, do you know what your name is? Did you see us talking on Twitter? I think I, I, think okay. I know what this is. Someone nailed uh, Mark, Sl- Mark Slutsky, who's at Totally Slutsky on Twitter, uh, the loyal fan of the show. The great, Mar- great Mark Slutsky. He tweeted at us and said what your name should obviously be. Do you want to do it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Bence eight. Bence eight. Oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> it was right in front of us the whole time. Oh, that's so obvious. How did yeah. we not catch that? Low anyway, congrats, fruit? Bence eight. It's perfect. How uh, you doing, Ben? I'm great. I really, I never saw these before. Uh, I thought these were uh, visually all great. Yeah, some were kind of interesting. These seem like Ben right up Ben's alley. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of right up Ben's alley, before we get to talk about the Animatrix at hand, no, we're no, talk about let's cue that up at the end of the episode. You I want to? Yeah. Let's okay. save it for so the end. Have, There's a special Ben surprise at the end a, of the episode. If you're, if you're a Haas head, oh God. you're going to flip out. Haas hog. Yeah. <laughs> David Dog's Griff head. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yep. Oh yeah, shout out to all our blankies. <laughs> shout out to the blankies. Of course. Yeah, this is a real bonus episode. We got a real bonus <laughs> episode feel. <laughs> Talked about lose. Alice through the looking glass for ten minutes. Uh, yeah, no. If you if you like uh, if you're a Haas Hog, wait till the end of the episode. There's a Haas Hog surprise waiting for you at the end. Yeah, I mean, Haas Hogs are going to be rewarded more than they ever have That's up correct. until date. Yeah. If you don't, if you've been tolerating old old Griffey and Davey up until now, mm-hmm. just for the Ben, you're you're the slot machine's about to pay out. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Okay, The Animatrix. The Animatrix. Was released in 2003 on DVD. The first short was released theatrically. Yes, I believe you could watch them online in some form or another. Maybe not, maybe not. Um, I It was 2003, so the idea of watching a video online was still pretty yeah, uh, adventurous. I feel like maybe one or two of them were on the official Matrix I mean, site. Put it this way, The Animatrix at the Into the Matrix site has a flash intro. It's yeah. still up there. Yeah. Uh, Boy, that's quite a sight. Uh, is one of the, is the boy, can you watch the boy maybe? You could watch four of them free. You could watch okay. the second Renaissance parts one and two, program and detective story for free. Oh, interesting. Obviously um, you had to go to theaters to see Final Flight of the Osiris. Yeah. And then there were also there was also Kid's Story, World Record, Beyond, and Matriculated. Nine films. Yeah. Eight really, because one of them is a two-parter. Yeah, I mean, this is a weird thing that this thing does. It's like they they settle into like when you watch the the DVD or the or the Blu-ray, sure, as I did. How did it look on Blu-ray? Well, you know, I mean, some of these, especially Final: The Flight of the Osiris, very cutting edge, yeah, visuals at the time, yeah, at the time, yes. Now I own a PlayStation Four, right, which can literally shit that stuff out in its sleep. And here's the thing: I don't, I don't want to, I I might not know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, sure. But I was watching this Blu-ray, and I know this: the three Matrix movies, full full Blu-ray Very remasters, impressive transfers, transfers yes, right? Yeah. They put the work in. I know, and this box set I got, which is the Ultimate Matrix box set, which is like fucking thirty dollars on Amazon now. It's a good deal because it's like seven discs or whatever. Yeah, there were these four discs that originally came in the DVD set that are all the annex supplemental material from the world of the Matrix, the Zion Chronicles, the making of all that sort of shit. 
And all of that stuff is on a on DVD, right? Oh. Like, pointedly. It's not on Blu-ray. Not only did they not, um, like. Transfer it. Yeah. Transfer and upgrade it, but they literally just put it on a DVD. It's yeah, not even right. just standard def video on it. And I looked at the Animatrix, and I at times I was like, this might just be upscaled. Sure. Like, it is a Blu-ray disc. No, I get you. But they and just some of the shorts look better than others. I couldn't tell. We'll never know. It might be upscaled. It might be Guys, up- it's a mystery, and we'll never know. We'll never know. But if you do know, write into us, blankcheckpod. Yeah, at, at gmail. blankcheckpod on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, th- you know, they a couple of these you could see. You could pay... Slap down your fucking eight bucks. Was on... it? I thought it was just Final Flight of the Assert. Was there not another one? Well, I'm saying the see... other one's online. Oh, sure. You could see them online. There yeah. were avenues for you to see them. But the big thing they wanted was, and this was like we talked about this in the past. Matrix, the first Matrix DVD had a limited amount of special features. They did this game changing thing that was like, let's release a whole second disc that's a separate item. Yeah, called the Matrix Revisited. Right. That had all these special features on it. Right. And, like, it was, like, charging not just to upgrade, but to buy a whole different fucking just special features thing, and it sold really well. Sure. So they were like, we want people buying this. And they were also really, in, as we've talked about, on our Matrix episodes, and guys, I missed the Matrix, and it was fun to get (laughs) back into the world of the Matrix. Good old Wachowskis. Uh, was just that they were doing this whole multimedia experience. Transmedia, I believe, is the term. Where it's could, sort of, yeah, one property across different it, mediums. There were comic books, there was animatrix, the there was game. video games, yeah. and it was all part of this big, fungi world, fungible world. Oh, which I should give this as advance warning. I said I was going to watch the 40 minutes of live-action footage shot oh, for Into the Matrix. I am shocked to hear that you didn't do that. The only reason I didn't is because I was sick and I didn't want to fucking deal with that when I was sick. There's no reason to watch that. Shit. I would if I was feeling well, I would have watched that. I will have tolerated. But when I was like in bed, I was like, I can, guys, it doesn't matter. I can fucking watch Wreck It Ralph or I can watch video game. Did you scenes. watch Wreck It Ralph? Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a, it's a fantastic. Film. That movie's very well written. Very well written and I think beautifully animated. I think when so too. I think films like Zootopia and Frozen are very flat. I don't like the animation very much. Ooh. But like, I think Wreck It Ralph takes advantage of the 3D. Style, which I'm not a big fan of in general, but to its it uses its to its advantage. To its advantage. How would you rank the modern CGI Disney animated films? Okay, so wait, it's a uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Tangled, Frozen, Bolt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, Big Hero Six. Oh, well, yeah, that was cute. And Zootopes. Zootopia. Is that all of them? I think that's the full right. Yeah. Um, how would you rank them? I'd go number one, Tangled. Number two. Wreck It Ralph, number three, Frozen, mm-hmm. number four, I would go uh, Zootopes, number five, Big Hero Six, and uh, six is uh, uh, Poo 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 Bolt. Oh, I guess Meet the Robinsons is maybe n- no, yeah, that's old. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Meet the Robinsons does count. That was Threshold. That was right when Lasseter took over. I believe yeah. Meet the Robinsons is the first. Post when they reopened the yeah. Disney animation, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that film. Oh, uh, it's fine. The Princess and the Frog obviously is also in that era, but it is two D. Yeah, uh, as is Winnie the Pooh. Oh, which is a masterpiece. But it's also two. Have you seen that movie? No. Fucking rules. Uh, so you want anyway, to know the best thing about that movie? The movie's sixty-eight minutes long. Is that like the cutest runtime? Is that the adorable runtime? As long time? as Dumbo is, or Bambi. yeah, it's cute. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I would say like Wreck It Ralph. And then, like, just take a deep breath, chill out for a second. Tangle. Uh, take a deep breath, chill out for another second. Frozen. 
Big Hero 6. Are you doing okay? You're breathing really heavily. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know, Zootopia, Frozen, Big Hero 6, and then Bolton, whatever. Yeah. And I like them all. I just, the, the, the sort of Zootopia, Frozen, Big Hero 6 that I just think are like nice, like decent movies. If I was a kid, I'd probably like them a lot. They don't stick out to me like visually. They don't stick out to me like in amazing ways. I just like them. I think they're good. Zootopia, Frozen are a big cut above Big Hero Six for me, but Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph are definitely the two best. Big Hero Six has the the the, the big Baymax guy. Yeah, that guy's great. He's real cute. Yeah, you know who's not great? The, like the other five. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. Big Hero One for me. Yeah, I, I don't remember Big Hero Six that well. Yeah. It's probably fair that it. The Tangled and uh, Zootopia. I mean, Frozen and Tangled and Zootopia. Yeah. Tangled's really pretty. I like that movie. I love Tangled. I, I just think, think Wreck-It Ralph. songs and Tangled are great. Wreck-It Ralph is great. Has what I really want. And Zootopia has this a little bit too, but yeah. Wreck-It Ralph really has it, which is like world building. Like amazing oh, world yeah. building. Yeah. But I also just love the herky-jerky style, like the way they move. That's The way incredible. it blends. Yeah. Yeah, 3D animation with, uh, you know, video 2D, game, yeah. pixel animation. Very cool. I also think that that story, they keep on threading that needle perfectly. They're all yeah, these the points where you're like, like... you are, you can be yourself and like it's good to be yourself. Right, but those, there's like, that thing where it's like, okay, so she's like essentially disabled is like the analogy mm-hmm. they're creating with this glitch thing and they like can't make the argument that like she shouldn't get better but they can't make the argument that there's anything wrong with her. Right. So, they, so there's like the point like, of oh, plot just... where you're like, how are they fucking going to pull this off? Because either the way, needle. they thread the needle. But so I do think, and I'm, I do think the Pixar movies, when they're good, like Inside Out, are just a very obvious still cut above. Like, I agree, but I think... Uh, but they haven't been making as many Inside Outs recently. Right, yeah. yeah that's but, a problem. Right. Inside Out is the only one that's a cut above the recent Disney movie yeah. since 2010, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Disney's been on a good one. Okay, Animatrix. How you doing there, Ben? I'm good. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Woo! That's a bonus episode, a baby. Cigarette. Loosen that tie. This, so is, this is silly. Bonus. Uh, maybe you should cut all that. All right. So final. Keep it in. So let's talk. Ben, right. that last section, copy, paste. Put it in twice. All right. So here's sure. what we're going to do. <laughs> I'll just lay out how this all. So the way it came out was. Yep. Final Fight of the Osiris, which is a real technical prequel to The Matrix Reloaded, like it sets up one little story element for it. Which is addressed in the film. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, mentioned in the film. Yeah. That aired in theaters in front of Dreamcatcher, mm-hmm. uh, and you could go see it, and it was like a like a genuine like little preview for The Matrix. Yeah. The other films came out after The Matrix. Mm-hmm. At least the, the DVD did, the Ma- after The Matrix Reloaded. When did the DVD come out? The DVD came out, my friend, on J- June 3rd, 2003. Okay, so, so a it was couple like a weeks week, after. Yeah. I think, yeah. Because uh, I, I want to Whereas Dreamcatcher yeah. came out March 2003. Right, so. right. Um, but they definitely want people to buy this DVD. Yeah, but the other movies are not directly related to the plot of The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. They're more just well, informing them. Well, the one, the boy story, what's it called? Oh, it is directly related, I guess, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think those two are directly story. related. I think um, the 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 other two, the history, Look, the revolution. Well, we're gonna get to them. We'll get to them. Uh, this is what I want to say though. The format of this thing is interesting because mm-hmm. Ben and I were talking before you got here of like this was kind of the first thing to do this like here's an adjacent movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some other studios tried to do this afterwards. Especially Warner Brothers tried to do this a bunch. They did a thing. I'm gonna get the title wrong, but it was um, uh, before the Dark Knight called like Batman Arkham Knights Uh and it was like a film that was sort of like this where it was like anime story set in the Batman universe what does this have to do with anything though that's after 
are you talking about? What's going on? This is similar to the Animatrix. Okay. I'm going to make a comparison that makes sense when I All fucking right. throw it I out I haven't seen you. this thing, though. I don't know what you're talking it's about. It's okay. But it's like, here are stories that take place in the Nolan Batman universe, and they're stories that people are telling about, like, their encounters with Batman. They're all Batman stories from, like, civilian eyes, right? Uh-huh. The thing that's interesting in that one is it's also, like, a bunch of short stories given to different animators with different aesthetics, different storytelling styles, but there's this sort of superstructure mm-hmm. that's a bunch of people being like, yeah, I met Batman once, and then it cuts into that story. This film, as it's presented, is just, like, a bunch of short films mm-hmm. with their own credits and their own title sequences. Yeah. Uh, and even the two-parter is like a two-parter just because they decided, here's a series of things that are 13 minutes long. They sure. could have just had the two-parter be, here's one, one that's 26. Yeah, whatever. But I just think it's kind of an interesting format. I like this format much better. I don't like the format you're talking about where it's like masquerading as a prequel, but it's actually just like 100% a cash-in effort. You know, it's kind of like, like, well, that. it's kind of like how when Marvel comics will do like Civil War, you know, the big crossover yeah. event, and then they'll be, you should buy X-Men Civil well, I War. Hate like that. this, this is cool. And you buy it. And it's like the X-Men have a meeting. They fight a little bit and then they decide not to be in the Civil War or what, like, it's like a completely self-contained useless art. That, that is exactly <laughs> why I stopped reading single no, issue I mean, superhero comics because that's, it drove me crazy. It's a whole scheme. Like yeah. it's a whole... Anyway, and it was but, an event that will change the Marvel universe forever until the fucking next writer takes over, <laughs> yeah, right, and he goes, well, "I've wanted to write Spider-Man since I was ten. Right. I want Spider-Man the one I like." Right, right, yeah. Um, House of M. Remember when House of M was going to change everything? House of M, the 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 actual House of M pretty story, solid. pretty cool. And actually, all the, of the other shit. Oh my god. No, see, I think some of the supplemental House of M titles were kind of good. Okay, fine. Better than the other ones. Civil War. The supplemental titles were terrible. Bullshit. Uh, that was also because Marvel was like spinning its wheels, waiting for Civil War to be done. Yeah, like remember it got really late. Oh like, yeah. yeah, yeah, classic Mark Miller. Yeah, blah 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 bonus. Uh, anyway, so what I like in these Animatrixes, the ones that are like direct prequels, honestly, they're a little lame. The ones I that are more just like, obviously, the writers and directors were told like, you know what the world of the Matrix is like, just play around in it, like do a story that's about these themes. Those are kind of cool. Well, here, here are the, the, how I'd separate them, okay? So you go, like, the kid story and uh, the final flight. And are detective l- story. A detective story, I'd say a little less so. I think that is easily the worst one. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not dividing good and bad. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the, the kid story and the final flight are, like, the ones that are, like, these overlap with the events of the film, yeah, right? Okay. Those two function in that way. Mm-hmm. Then you have the two, like, history ones. Those are the best. That I, I kind of agree. There's yeah. one I like Matriculated more, Matriculated is the best. I think it's the best one. But, but the, the, yeah. the, the, the history ones are very good. Yes, too. excellent. Those two are, like, here's prequel sort of world-building stuff. Yeah. And then you have, like, the other ones which are kind of, like, the detective story, which I don't really like, is sort of just, like... It, it's a prequel to The Matrix a little bit, but little not really... Bit. It, it's just an excuse to have Trinity in one of them. And the matriculated, I think, gets at the best interpretation of how to do this. Like, but that that one, Detective Story, and like a couple of the other ones, sort of fall into this category of like, here's just a story that takes place in the Matrix. Here's just something happening in this world. No, but the difference to me is the Detective Story is a prequel to the film The Matrix, the first one. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the world record and beyond stories are more like Twilight cool, Zone thematic. Entries. I like them. Yeah. Entries yeah. about how the Matrix might work. And then matriculated you know, ways, you know, is about like answering questions you might have asked. Like, matriculated is like a whole different philosophical exploration. It's of, a cool idea. I love it. Okay. It's the only problem with matriculated is maybe is that it's too short. Like it's almost like 
too ambitious. I definitely yeah. felt like I wanted to just see a feature yeah, length. Yeah, right. it's a good idea. Yeah, uh, it also looks incredible. Okay, <laughs> let's go through them. I just started coughing. I'm getting you sick. <laughs> Final fight. We're, we're going to do it in order. Yep. Final flight of the Osiris is the first. If it just if you just watch them all in order, we're getting focused now. This film, they're all like what nine minutes long? I don't know. Thirteen? You said? I, don't I think thirteen. I don't know. You know, the, the whole thing runs about an hour forty minutes if you watch all of them. On the nugget, hour forty with a lot of credit, but yeah, a lot yeah. of credits. Yeah, it's eight, nine movies. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the first one, Final Flight of the Osiris, was written by the Wachowskis. Yeah. It was directed by Andy Jones, who is a visual effects supervisor. He's been nominated for visual effects work over the years for okay. iRobot uh-huh. and also for uh, uh, Avatar. <laughs> he won for that one. Oh, Avatar. Um, it is uh, from the period of time where everyone thought the next big trend was going to be making fully animated films. That were photorealistic with humans. Right. It was sort of Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within had come out and bombed. Hard. But people were sort of, and this was produced with that technology, with the yes. Square Films technology. But people were still like, not a good movie, but whoa, this is the future, right? These crazy, fully realized, like, computer people. Right. And then that was even what Zemeckis was kind of aiming for in his first 100%. couple motion capture yeah. movies was, I still want it. Now let's see if I can make the performance better by Well, yeah. What well, he incorporates is motion capture, which right. obviously is now where things are trending. But you look yeah. at Beowulf, and it still had that same sort of visual obsession of, can we make this look exactly right. like Angelina right. Jolie? Right. It's fascinating to me that that's sort of, we've completely given up on that. Well, I it's think, unconquerable. And people don't like it. No, people don't like it. Maybe it can be conquered one day. I have no idea, but it's certainly people don't like it. What I just find fascinating is the only time you see people trying to make the thing look completely photorealistic is when it's computer animated characters in a live action film. Yeah. When it's like Avatar or like fucking Warcraft or whatever, and it's like make this otherworldly thing look. Well, no, like of course a real you person. can make monsters or right. animals look amazing. People buy that. Make that look photoreal. But I'm saying, in terms of like animated films, I feel like computer animated films have gotten more cartoony in the last ten years. Yes. And more stylized. Yes. I mean, yeah. even the yeah. Disney films we're looking at are very classical. Yeah. No, it's true. They're, it's true. they're not uh, sort of obeying physics and they're using more squats and stretch than Pixar used to use, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the zone we're, like, getting into. Uh, Final Flight of the Osiris is, is fascinating. It's aiming for photorealism. It and it's, obviously it's, looks like a PlayStation cutscene now. Yeah, it, it, and it's, it, it's fascinating just in that sense. It's like a time capsule of, like, oh, right, this is where our head was at, was we thought maybe we wanted to do this. And now everyone decided not to follow through on that anymore. You know what? It's That's the only way in which it's fascinating. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty dull. It's a kung fu, not kung fu, sorry. It's like a samurai sword battle yeah. between uh, two guys, in, two, a, a, a guy and a girl in a in a program, you know, in like a training program. They're on a ship. Now, now I, important detail, they're blindfolded. Yes. They are blindfolded. But, let's just say I'm not the only peeper peeping. Oh, fuck. I forgot that nickname, too. The peeper. He's the peeper. Ben's the peeper, and these folks are peeping a plenty. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. The man in the film, I was a hundred percent sure, was voiced by Michael Jai White because he looks exactly like no, it's Kevin Michael, Michael Jai White. But doesn't he look? Doesn't the model look like Michael Jai White? I, I guess so. It just look. And these don't think these things don't look like anything to me because they look so bland. Maybe Michael Jai White is just like a very conventionally handsome person. But I was just convinced it was him. The other one is played by Pamela Adlon. Which is crazy. Weird, right? Especially since it's an Asian woman. Yeah. But uh, both, you know, Pamela Adlon is primarily a voice actress. And and the same for Kevin Michael Richardson. These are two of the great voice actors. These are primarily cast with voice actors, these films. I mean, and and you see the same one, like Tom Kenny is in this, Jill Talley's in this. And it's the same couple actors in most of the films. Yeah. 
Um, Pamela Adlon, you know what her greatest role is, right? Uh, Bobby from Kingdom. Exactly. So great. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, who is, he's a, a husky black mm-hmm. dude. He's not this, like, handsome, tall, like, you know, sort of cl- conventional Michael Jai White type. Oh, he's like a big, he, he looks like a, like a black Pavarotti or something. Yeah, he's, yeah, he was in, do you remember the show The Knights of Prosperity with, uh, oh, yeah. with um, Donald Logue? Donald Logue, yeah. yeah. About them trying to rob Mick Jagger's house. Yeah, yeah. Which was like one of the weirdest fucking shows that ever existed. You remember what the original title of that show Let's was? Let's Rob Mick Jagger. Yeah. Such a weird show. He was very funny on it. It's one of the rare times he was on camera. Very it's funny, man. I, you know, I but always, really a voice actor. I always like voice actors in live action. When I see voice actors in live action, I usually sure. think they're, they're Phil like, Lamar. Anytime Phil Lamar pops, great in. He was, Phil, Phil Lamar. Lamar was just on Veep. Yeah, yeah. I love Phil Lamar. But even like you know, Tom Kenny and Jill Talley on Mr. Show were so well, fucking course. good. That's Mr. Show. Yeah, that's Mr. Show. Yeah, that's the way I'm talking about. Mr. I mean, they're not Show. voice actors yet when they're on yeah. Mr. You know, they they then they find that route. You know, into the industry. Yeah. But anyway. So they have a, a sexy samurai fight where they're cutting off each other's clothes. Ooh, bold. Yeah, I mean, it's like exactly like the kung fu sequence from the first Matrix, except they want to fuck each other. Well, it, except, <laughs> and they have swords. And yeah, they want to fuck each other. But it, it's got the same sort of Yeah, it's the same aesthetic. I it's mean, the same. But there's just. we. It's in media res. You see them fighting, and they got blindfolds, but they keep on like sort of swashbuckling, like fucking Antonio Banderas zoroing each other's clothes off with their swords, and then they'll take a little peep. The Zorro sequence is wonderful. But it also has this weird threat to it where he's cutting off her clothes. Yeah. And it's like intentionally aggressive. Yeah. You know, and she's fighting back or whatever. But, like, you know, it's also more period appropriate because, you know, you know, men, men, men were, were jerks. I mean, they're still jerks, but men were real assholes in <laughs> Zorro era just cutting off ladies' clothes all the time. Oh, I thought you meant 2003. <laughs> well, that's yeah. 2003. Well, the, the thing this. What I'm trying to build to here is like, you know, when Zaro's cutting off Catherine Zeta Jones's clothes, you know, he's a scoundrel, but scoundrels are much more Zaro appropriate, Zaro period appropriate. I agree. Here, where they're cutting off each other's clothes, yeah, she cuts his shirt off. Yeah. But he, like, he, like, efficiently disrobes her and she's wearing, like, you know, very, like, sort of over the top, sexy underwear. Yeah. And. You know, they try to have their cake and eat it and have both of them peek at each other. But uh, mm, it's not super know. balanced. No, that's, I, that's look, what I'm saying. I'm going to read through the subtext and say what you're saying. <laughs> they should have showed that computer animated dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. If she had cut his fly. Just like, whoosh, yeah, just she, like his pants slowly fell. But you know, even not after the pants, if she just cut out of like his fly zone <laughs> and then God. suddenly the dick went. But then everyone would be like, oh, whoa. Oh. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that's, you know what? <laughs> Risky. That's, what, that's how America should respond. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway. You know what I'm saying? Fucking wake up, you sheep. Look at a dick. Yeah. Go look, to a, look at go dicks. to a movie. Look at dick sheeple. Okay. 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 Buy Stop a yelling. Tub Stop of popcorn yelling. and look at a dick. So then anyway, we get this. This is half this the film. Is this them cutting each other's clothes off. This it's is, like a solid four or five minutes. And, and here's the worst part. This is the better half. That's probably true. So and then the second half is they're on their ship in right. the real world. They see a bunch of squids, and then they see, like, oh, no, the squids are going to tunnel down to Zion. Which is exactly like the Sentinel chase from the first Matrix, except not as good. It's like both halves of this film yeah. are very similar to scenes from the first Matrix, except yeah. now done without real people. Right. But and, and we'll get to, anyway, and so I'll just wrap up the plot. Yeah. Uh, they see that the squids are trying to tunnel down to Zion, so she has to go into the Matrix and do jump around yeah. in, a, in a bunch of ways and then drop off, like, a message to the headquarters and of course mm-hmm. that message is received in the Matrix Reloaded they say it like oh the this message from the Osiris says it was the, the Zion final is, flight yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah and then the squids get the ship and they blow it up yeah the end now 
I will say at the time, I thought this looked incredible. Oh, I, I remember too. just being like, wow, like this is so cool, which really is funny to think of. Yeah, I also yeah. convinced myself that Final Fantasy The Spirits Within was good. Uh, yeah, I did, never did that, but I did think the visuals were cool. Like, I did. I, yeah. I did think it was the future. That movie's kind of incomprehensible, right? Kind of incomprehensible? <laughs> Are you crazy? It's I, not remotely comprehensible. I remember that being, like, the most plot-dense and, like, obtuse movie I had ever seen as a 10-year-old. bonkers. What was it, 12? Yeah, I must have been 12 when it came out. Uh, do you remember when they put that that character on the cover of Maxim? Do you remember that? Of course. That was, like, again, that was all part of this... Very efficient PR campaign that yeah. did not work for that movie where they were like, it's the future where it's like, we're even going to have CG cover stars, you know, yeah. CG sexy ladies in yeah. bikinis. I bet I could find it. Hey, hey, hey guys, uh, they never wanted to fuck a computer before, huh? Like, that was the whole angle on that movie. I know. It was it was bizarre. I love that the marketing was that base where it's like, hey, you want to fuck that cartoon, huh? And then you saw the movie and it made no sense. The movie's about, like, force spirits of nature. It's Here about robot is. ghosts. There she is. God. Yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> it is. It's really gross. <laughs> and I'm not even just saying like. It's the other thing because like the movie itself is not about like a sexy bikini no, lady exactly. who has bikini adventures. It's about like a scientist voiced by Ming Na who's like you know yeah, trying she, to get. She in- also wears like the most sort of like androgynous jumpsuit yeah, the entire right. film. I'll say this, like, when I say that's gross, it is culturally it is, gross. No, it's But gross. more than that, it's just visually it's weird. gross. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's the like Uncanny unsettling. Valley. It's unsettling. Right, it's unsettling. I don't like that we did it as a people, but I also just don't <laughs> like looking at it. Anyway, so the second film, and let's just talk about- Yeah, we're about, done with the Final Flight of the Osiris. That's it. Yeah. The second film is, and we'll just talk about the second and third films yeah, are we'll called The them. Second Renaissance. Love it. Yeah, they were written and directed by Mahiro Maeda- uh, who's working from uh, info from the Wachowskis, I think, just to lay out the details of the uh, the machine war. The Wachowskis have a story by credit on this. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed there was no writing credit on this one, which I thought was interesting. Uh-huh. Right. So my theory is, because this film doesn't really have dialogue, it's sort of like a textbook kind of voiceover telling you the history. I feel like the Wachowskis wrote that as That's background probably. information. Yeah. And then as a director, he visualized it and had free reign to do whatever he wanted. There. It's got this crazy visual thing where you're like in some sort of archival computer program and there's like a crazy like lady AI who's like, welcome to like archives. Like, But she also sort of looks like, like a Buddhist like mm-hmm. sort of deity. And there's all yeah. these like patterns, these weird color That's patterns great. that you're zooming in and around like you're moving through some sort of computer program. It's got a lot of gold, which is a color we don't really see in no. any of the Matrix movies. Because no, the Matrix movies are so green. It's got these burnt oranges even in the re- revolutions, but this is like a like a shiny gold. So this is the most interesting of the films, probably. Matriculated is also interesting. We'll get to yeah. that later. Um, I think it does an okay job. I think it's... It, me and Ben were talking about it before the podcast started. You know, it's pretty easy to poke some holes in this whole grand... Uh, story it tells. Yeah, I mean, Ben, do you want to throw your main gripe out? Because I think it's an interesting sort of thing. Well, yeah, because the the story is that one of the robots overthrows uh, and kills its masters. You know, I guess let's just do the basic like overthrow. It's like we we as a culture create a bunch of robots to be like to be servants, right, and to yeah. manufacture shit to make our life easier. One of the robots, and sort of like classic like iRobot style. 
kills his master. He claims it's in self-defense, but they take him to trial and they execute him. And because of that, the robots get angry and there sort of becomes like cultural friction. Well, no, more than that. No, they they don't just execute him. They start executing oh, they execute robots all his on mass. Yes, yes. His like model gets exactly. executed in mass. And so that prompts basically a, like you know, the, the the film makes some very broad racism. Yes. Yeah. Analogies, yeah. but that prompts the robots to sort of flee and start their own civilization. There's a segregation. They yeah. start their own sort of continent which is called Zero One Pretty cool. and they start manufacturing stuff from Zero One and their manufacturing capabilities are much better than right. the humans. They quickly outstrip and they start like advancing their AI. Right, and they ma- quickly like outstrip human civilization. They're making car motors, and then the humans are buying the car motors, and then the human economy goes so far down. Right. They say at one point, like, the human nation, which I mean, think that maybe the idea they're getting at is, like, all continents have, like, all humans have become one yeah, large sure. country, right. yeah. which I kind of like. Like and a then global the, industrial country. Right, there's a global, yeah, yeah, sort of industry. And then the robots are their own, like, sovereign state. Yeah, and the robots uh, try to join the UN. They are rejected. And they then, think now that they're these big businessmen, this big swinging dicks, they can come back and be like, hey, you're going to let us back in, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. And then war breaks out, and then the machine war, as we know it, obviously, ensues. Right. right but with the, the scorching the, of the sky. Well, that's the thing. Stuff. The final strike the humans have, because they can't take down these robots anyway, they try bombing them a bunch, and they're like, we're robots. Don't fucking bomb them. What are you talking about? We don't care about bomb. A bomb's a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, buddy, we'll just hang out with our bomb friend. So they were like, oh, uh, how about we kill the sky? Yeah, we blanket the sky in nanobots. Because a lot of them are solar powered. They're, they They're need all the solar sun. powered right. or whatever. So yeah. they kill the sun, and now, like, the, the robots have won, yep. but they're also, like, really tired because they don't got the sun anymore. And then they realize, like, oh, humans. Right. Well, we know the premise of the Matrix. Yeah, they harvest the humans as batteries. But here's the thing I like. They sort of say, like, they look, they were obsessed with, like, humans and, like, fascinated by the fact that they, like, keep on, like, reproducing all this. The thing that this uh, thing gets at, it explains why the robots would go through the trouble of creating the Matrix rather than just having the humans be in hypersleep, which is you show them sort of experimenting with them and they, like, tickle them and then they get a charge. And they make the humans cry and they get a charge. And it's like specifically the thing that charges them is human emotion. Sure. So they need to create They need this, the brains to work. They yeah. need this simulation where the humans can go through the entire human condition in order to get it, which I think is a really interesting No, it's to. all interesting because the world of the Matrix is really interesting. It also gets in like a Monsters, Inc. territory where it's like, got to get them screams. But the question I had, yes, like, oh, this you, is great. But the question I had is I don't understand... The motivate like the robot motivation. Why robots would want to exist? That's not explained. Well, you're talking about yeah. It's it's the robots are, are the robot survival instinct is never explained. Right. And for that to exist, there essentially needs to be, and this is a common like theme in a lot of sci-fi stories about robotics, is the idea of this anomaly where somehow artificial intelligence becomes like genuine intelligence you know where feelings come into play mm-hmm. and where they you know it's it's wally it's sunny for my robot it's all these fucking robots are suddenly here's the one robot that has a slightly different thing it thinks like a human yeah, consciousness. and then changes 
the sort of species. I mean, these but, are the questions of the Matrix. Is what is consciousness? Where right. does it evolve from? Is it just like does it begin with just self defense and like this sort of like is that what consciousness is? Is just the desire not to die? You know, things but, like that. But these two don't ever really get into the robot's consciousness. They talk about no, what they no. did to survive. They don't really it's, talk this about this is why. more of a straight history. I agree that it, it it just it has to make these rapid jumps just to yeah. move the story along kind of quickly. Because it's kind of told like it's like a, a documentary you would watch in history class, right? Which I like. Like, the narration's very sort of, like, clinical. Um, Me too. I like that, too. I just think it looks amazing. It looks amazing. I just think the animation is so cool. I think the way you see the war evolve, and then, like, once they splinter the sky and the robots really start turning into the squids and, like, the red-eyed things that we know from the Matrix, it's just so, like, nightmarish. The violence is really gross. Well, there's, like, a terrifying, I mean, a really successfully terrifying uh, sequence where you see this like scantily clad woman oh, yeah, running down getting... the street, and the guy is just fucking cold cocking her, but punching he's, her she's in the a face. robot. Well, robot that's what you find right, out. Yeah. I mean, he rips her shirt open first, right. and her breasts are hanging out, and she's crying and screaming. And you're like, "This, this is, is weird, really yeah. upsetting." Are you trying to show us that humans turned on each other? Right. And then he punches her further, and her whole face flies off. Right. It's like, oh, she's a robot, but it's playing on this sort of like it's it's the same thing as like sexual abuse as racism you know it's like which you know sometimes these things are tough to draw i just want you know these parallels can be a little broad they also quote clarence darrow and they also quote the dread scott like they do these broad things but that's fine i mean like it's it's fine it's just you you know it's broad stuff what i do like is that the matrix movies themselves properly like don't get into because we're seeing it from the humans who are the ones the the machines the enemies especially in the first matrix right yeah and you don't understand how it happened, so you're just like, oh, the robots got smart and they killed us all. Right. It's, I mean, and also that's such a classic sci-fi trope is evil, you know, AI. Yeah. But you watch these and you're like, um, oh, it's it's so much more depressing because sure. they just wanted to be equals and right. we wouldn't let them fucking in the door. Well, it's well, like, it's like what? We were I mean, supposed to say please and thank you to a robot? Exactly. Ben's right. How dare you? Fuck you, robots. I like robots. I want to be friends with a robot. No, I mean, this is why I love the Matrix sequels so much. Yeah. Is because they dig into these questions. I think the only thing in the first Matrix movie is that idea, which is said that we are the ones who scorched the sky. Like, yeah. So you realize, like, okay, we may have been the architects we of did our this own to doing here. Yeah. Yes. And obviously, like, Agent Smith's growing consciousness is like a sort of seed for that idea. Of, right. You know, blah, 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 blah. But that's what I like about the sequels is that they dig into this thing. It's like, yeah, you know what? Humans aren't great either. You know? No. We're all pieces of shit. Then again, I would also. Get, kill all the robots. Uh, yeah, but then I also watched this and I'm like, okay, so we treated them like garbage. They gave us like six chances, right? They kept on being like, please, can yeah, we come I know, back? I know, yeah. right? And then they were nice enough to like put us in a world where everything's really nice. Well, that's the thing. There is a benevolent weirdness to it, but it's also so creepy because we see them like the thing. I think the film successfully shows the cruelty of the robots. I agree. In experimenting on people, you see that thing where they like rip open a mecha suit and they start yeah. like, oh, so creepy. Oh, terrifying. Yeah. Um, I, so cool. But because the film has that clinical narration and stuff, it almost seems like it's propaganda for the robots. Like right. it's a robot written narrative, yeah. right? AI narrative. But at the same time, we can sympathize with what the bad things they're doing, you know. Well, it exists in a lot of moral gray area. And I also think it makes the films themselves more morally gray, which is like what you the most you could ask for of something like this, of a supplemental piece that's meant to 
enhance the original films. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like this is this is what I want. The platonic ideal of an animatrix role. I'm not saying it's the best one, but it's like the platonic ideal of how I, it could function. Yes. I think Matriculate's the best one. There's also well, an well, insane shot where a robot's got a human's head and he just and he squeezes pulls it, apart. it. Yeah. He squeezes it yeah. until the eyes pop out and then you're like, okay, I got it. The eyes popped out. And then like the brain pops out from the eyes. Yep. Fucking robots, man. Don't mess with them. Still want to be friends with one. If we have any robot listeners, please uh, tweet at me, Griff Lightning, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I like robots. I want to be friends with robots. Okay, number three is Kid's Story. Number four, technically, is Kid's yeah. Story, written by the Wachowskis, oops, <laughs> and directed by Sinichiro Watanabe, who, let me see who he is. And neither of us are big anime people. We should no. throw that out as a disclaimer. Uh, who worked on Cowboy Bebop. Okay. Uh, and, you know... um, the guy who did the second renaissance, uh, Mihiro Maeda, he has a lot of interesting credits. He worked on a lot of uh, cool anime shows like uh, Neon, Jealous, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay, I've heard yeah, of that yeah. one. You know, uh, and he worked on a lot of Ghibli movies, and he worked on the Kill Bill anime sequence. Oh, which I love I don't know if he's yeah. credited as like the director. He just did a lot of okay. key art for those things. <laughs> just FYI. Yeah. So um, Kid's Story. This is about the kid... From the Matrix sequels, who's really annoying. Yeah, remember that kid that we didn't give a shit about in two separate Played movies? Played by uh, Clayton Watson. And you were like, why are they putting all this time and energy into and he's, him? He's in Reloaded a little bit, and he's in Re- Revolutions a lot. But in Reloaded, he's not in a lot, but they give him like a big fucking like, entrance. Like, they hit it hard when he shows up, and it's because this was part of that transmedia idea they had, which is like, you're going to see this kid, and you're going to be like, where'd this kid come from? And then you got to watch the Animatrix. You watch it and you're like, oh, I mean, who gives a shit? I don't like that kid. I don't... Yeah, no, nobody cares. That character. I think this one looks great. It's a, a very interesting look. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's really weird. Yeah. And like, it's a, it's basically, the story is very simple. This kid feels alienated. He has classic Matrix uh, red pill, you know, feelings where he's like, uh, something's wrong. Yeah. He's talking to Neo on his computer, you know, hacking away. It's like when Neo started talking to Trini yeah, on the computer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this short is essentially Matrix high. Like, it's like the whole opening chunk of Neo in the first Matrix, except done in high school instead. So it's like, okay, he's talking to Neo instead of Neo talking to Trinity. The agents come and find him at school rather than at the office. Mm-hmm. It's like the shit we've seen before. But on a narrative level, nothing. Well, so it's basically just that. Now, I think the Wachowskis are trying to write a story that's interesting to them, which is this idea that, like, people who are disaffected, who suffer from depression, who suffer from some, you know, out of body problems. Yes. Like, The Matrix is a dramatization of what that is and, like, you know, feeling unglued from the world. And, like, you know, that's a cool idea. Yeah. But it's all, this thing is very simple and not that interesting. Agreed. Except for one thing, which is. He escapes the Matrix by himself. Yeah. Which is a weird concept. By killing himself. He throws himself out of a school window. Yeah. And you see him, like, point of view shot of him, like, falling to the he ground. He keeps on having this dream about flying through the sky and falling and everything. And then he gets to the, he's, it's this long escape sequence. He goes to the roof. He thinks he's gone away from the agents. The agents on the roof. He knows what he has to do. He goes, I knew it wasn't a dream. And then he jumps off. And then he wakes up. Or you hear his funeral, and they're like, some people aren't meant for this world. You know, he clearly was struggling, you know? Mm-hmm. He's thoughts all the time. I mean, he distrust paranoia, all that sort of stuff. And you're like, okay, depression thing, tracking, sure, tracking. Sure, right. And then it cuts to him, like, waking up on the gurney, and they're like, uh, oh, oh, the cell rehabilitation metastasis project. I mean, they kind of do one of those one-line, like, here's a technology you've never heard of that explains how we were able to bring him back to life. Maybe. 
Yeah, I don't know. They say something like that. Yeah. They go like, oh, the Selber generation. Okay, okay. I don't even remember that. Eh, it's fine. Whatever. Hey, um, also, dude can shred. <laughs> dude can shred. On the skateboard. Dude's a fucking rad boarder. Mm-hmm. Um, 2003, baby. It's got the thing that uh, the Kill Bill thing did as well. It's got this really like scratchy, sketchy uh, line style that I really like. Mm-hmm. It sort of looks like like Egon Shealy drawings. Okay. Uh, which I love. Uh, on a story level, it's not that interesting. Um, here's another thing I was talking about with Ben about it. Um, I was watching this one, and like you know, Neo Neo's got a, a little a little part in this one, right? Yeah. Um, they don't make him look like Keanu. No. And when he starts talking, I was like, this guy's doing a fucking terrible Keanu impression. I mean, he sounds like nothing like Keanu. It's taking me out of it. No, it's Keanu Reeves. I know! Yeah. <coughs> wow. I'm dying. Um, but but it gets at this thing. You saw the motion picture Keanu as well, right? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, you mean, oh, well, yeah, because his voice performance in that is also really undistinctive. Yeah, that is true. And it's weird because anyone... <coughs> I'm actually going to die. Um, no, I just think it's like fascinating that anyone could do a good Keanu impression, and then you see Keanu doing Keanu, mm-hmm. and he like doesn't sound like because he doesn't want to lean into it. Probably, he doesn't want to lean into the like the dude. Whoa. Well, stuff. Ben's theory also that we were like working on was just that like Keanu's such a physical actor, mm, like sure. not just with action, but he's also so much more about presence than he is about like line readings. I think, maybe he's not good in a booth. I think that's true, but he's also it doesn't matter anyway. It's just weird in Keanu where they have the big scene where the cat talks and it's clearly the joke that Keanu Reeves is doing the voice and you're like, that doesn't sound anything like Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it is. Yeah. But you like want him to like talk like this. You just did a better Keanu than Keanu. Exactly. I Hire mean, Keanu's me performance Keanu. in the film Keanu was a real letdown. Really, really disappointing. Yeah, but that movie's also kind of disappointing in general. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right, the next film is called Program. It's written, dire- written and directed... By Yoshiaki Kawajiri, okay. who is a veteran of Japanese animation, the creator of titles like Wicked City, Ninja, Scroll, and Vampire Hunter D, colon, Bloodlust. Okay. All sound great. Uh, this one uh, stars the great uh, Phil Lamar, the aforementioned Phil Lamar. Yeah, as a duo. And the other character's samurai. name is Sis? Sis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this has a very cool animation style, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah, uh, and it's like this sort of samurai battle between this like crazy white lady with big white hair and this sort of guy in like samurai armor among these trees, and this sort of like a classic feudal Japan like setting. Right, and it feels like you know, I mean, it it it's sort of uh, analogous to the kung fu training sequence in the first Matrix because it's in such a different setting. It's less annoying to watch it a second time than it was in Last Flight of the Osiris. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like just crazy, sort of like um, uh, impressionistic, surreal samurai world. But you know what? We just kind of said everything about it. That's sort of the problem with this one. <coughs> well, yeah. here's the rest of this one. Uh, the guy in it is like, hey, no one's listening. I want you to know. I'm going to leave. Go back into the Matrix. Yeah, he's basically just me. doing the cipher argument where he's like, when I took the red pill, I want to know the truth. Now I don't care about the truth. Like, yeah, we already heard that, you know, stuff from the, uh, the cipher story in the first Matrix. That's all fine. They have a big battle. She defeats him. You know, she resists his challenge. And then it turns out it was all a training program to see if she would give in to that. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, and I want to say, too, it's like, why is every simulation fighting? 
Like, why can't it be like they like to fight? I don't know. Uh, a, a swim in the Caribbean. I agree. Or uh, well, here's the question: ice cream in bed here's program. The, here's yeah, the no, because that's tough to do. It is tough to eat ice cream in bed. It would be helpful to have a training program. Here's, here's the question: <laughs> no, but this is tough to do. Like, so can do they think- swim? Yeah. Here's, the, know, here's my question. And this uh, is what about real... swimming with ice here's cream? Bag? That would be difficult. <laughs> Ooh, because one hand would have to keep it above water, or else you get true. wet ice cream. But you get a little floaty. This is <laughs> this is the, my question. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they have sex in the training programs? You no. know, there are sex programs. Question. So here's my question. Why isn't one of those shorts about that? No, not that. You have to be plugged in, and you have to have the programs loaded by an engineer, and he has to like watch. So. How do you deal with that? Is it kind of like you go over to Tank and you're like, hey, Tank, I want to have sex with Switch. I'm APOC. Yeah. Don't look. <laughs> hey, Tank, I'm APOC. <laughs> I want to have sex with Switch. So can you plug us both in, just load, you know, my favorite sex program, and then, you know, just take it easy for 15 minutes, you know, just take a coffee break, you know, whatever. Well, you know what he'd say. Switch, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not like this. Uh, so anyway. Not like this. Uh, that's program. Um, Here's another I, question. It looks good. I have nothing to say here's about Here's another question I had, okay? So, like, in The Matrix, they say, like, if you die in The Matrix, you die in real life. And the scenes where we see someone's plugged in, and they get shot or whatever, and then they cut back to them, like, in the real world, on the Nebuchadnezzar, and they're, like, bleeding out of their mouth. brutalized, yeah. They're getting those injuries, right? Not specifically, though. It's like, not if you, if you get shot, you don't get a gunshot wound. But you're having the internal effects of it. Your body reacts. Right? If if you go into the Matrix in like a, a simulation, well, wait, Matrix or a training program? Those are two different things. If you go into, I'll say for either one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think my question applies to either one, but for the sake of clarity and keeping it on subject, I'll say a training program. If you go into a training program that's training you how to fuck, right? Fuck. And you do some fucking in the training program. Do you come in real life? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> You make a mess in probably. your pants. You probably, probably it'd be like a wet dream, right? Probably. So are wet dreams just the matrix? Uh, yeah, that's what they are. Hey, actually, I have another question. Please. David, uh, you probably will be able to help with this. Maybe Griffin. Uh-huh. Okay. So in the matrix, yeah. are there, like, for example, are there people with disabilities? Like, is there blind people in the matrix? Because that fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. yeah. I think like, there is. That's you mean bullshit. so it's like right? You not only are you a slave to machines who right. lives in like a, but also within the world of the Matrix, they yeah. haven't even. Well, no, yeah, they are. They are. That's absolutely true. One hundred percent. Because the whole point of the Matrix is it has to be real. They talk about how there was the Paradise Matrix where everything was good, and it didn't, and it didn't work because we didn't accept Uncanny it. Uncanny Valley. Yeah. The only people who can look like badasses are people who are broadcasting from the real world and plugging into the Matrix because. They know they're in a, a fake thing, and yeah. that's why anytime Keanu plugs into the Matrix, he looks like fucking hot shit. Yeah, you know, and he's got a like, you know, two thousand dollar cassock. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. But normal people don't know that, so yeah. Okay, here's another question I have, and David or Ben, you might be able to help me with this one. <laughs> uh, how do how does sex work? Oh, just oh. in general. Yeah, what is sex? Ah, oh, dude. It's a great question. Is it good? I've like heard warm good apple pie. No, that's a blowjob, oh. right? Is that that's what that uh, that's what that uh, is a metaphor Sex for? Sex is the like American now. Pie Two, <laughs> like a warm DVD of American. Pie It's two. like American Pie Two. It's uh, the mostly a contractually obligated. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> underwritten uh, yeah, affair. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's Chris Klein's last chance I, for relevancy. I do like that in American. That's what sex I do is. like that in American Pie. Everyone has very stupid, like you know, fakey Hollywood crazy. Oh boy, like they're having sex in this like on a pool table yeah. with the mom. Like whoa, all this crazy shit. Except for um. It's Mina Suvari and Chris Klein, right? Yeah, just who just no, 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 no. It's not. It's Thomas E. Nicholas and Tara Reid, because right, Chris Klein and Mina Suvari don't even have. Sex. Oh, right, that's the but big Thomas thing. They e. watch Nicholas, the sunrise. Right, Thomas E. Nicholas and uh, Tara Reid just have like boring loss of virginity sex, where she's just kind of like, ow, yeah, and like he's like, you okay? And she's like, I'm, I'm okay, yeah, and that's it. It's like totally that. I I like that they at least throw you a bone with like, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, it's been a while since I saw American Pie, but I think I'm right. Yeah, what? I th- no, I think you're right. I think so too. Um, our, by the way, our next main series is the American Pie franchise. Oh my God, would we do the directed? The yeah, TV you have sequel? to. You have to do all nine. But they're not canon. Are they not? No, they're not. I think it's canon that uh, one dude's dad, after that <laughs> dude goes off to high college, just starts hanging out with other teenagers, including various relatives of Stifler. <laughs> right? Like, there's like three different Stifler relatives in this film. Like, hey, son. you're Stifler's pool cleaner. <laughs> okay, so imagine your dad. Imagine you go off to college. And your dad just decides to start hanging out with relatives of... And he, like, emails you. That dude you didn't like. He's like, I ran a naked mile with Stifler's, <laughs> you know, second cousin. And Jim's like, <laughs> Stifler was a burden. Jim's like, like I got married. Yeah. I'm married to Allison Hannigan I've just now. been talking about how I don't want to hang out with Stifler, and he just comes with the rest of the guys. That's, like, the big thing in American Pie 2 is the only reason they can afford the summer house is because Stifler has money. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, I don't want to live with Stifler. I don't want to live with Stifler. And Jim's dad's like, don't worry, I'm going to hang out with Stifler's nephew. <laughs> but it's always like, it's like Stifler goes to band camp. I haven't yeah. seen these films, but I've seen like trailers for them. Yeah. And then it's like, who turns around in the chair? But Jim's dad, he's like, I'm the new administrator of who, band camp. By the way, he's still never given a proper name. <laughs> no, I don't think so. His name is Jim's dad yeah. in like American Pie, Eugene Levy the Book of Love. Eugene Levy cashed so many fucking checks, man. Because he was in Cheaper by the Dozen 2. He's yeah. in just so many. It's incredible. He was in that movie with the Olsen twins, uh, New York Minute. New York Minute, which yeah. I saw opening day in theaters. He was in The Man with Samuel Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, bringing Down the House. Uh, yeah, I remember Samuel Jackson screened the man for um, victims of Hurricane Katrina for free. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember that. Like, it was very hard to make fun of that because it was a very noble gesture of him. But it was. But also, like, they had gone through so much <laughs> suffering at that point. Yeah, Why anyway. make them watch the man? So, um, how did we get on this? Oh, forget uh, the sex wait, talk. Wait, right, wait, wait. I was going to say talk. something really funny. Oh, oh no. Just I mean, the, I, I do have one funny thing to say. But before that, uh, can <laughs> but you, before that, can oh you, my god, can you imagine how offensive? Bringing down the house must be to watch today. Because even at the time, bringing down the house was offensive at the time. Very offensive. But now, but I mean, it was like remarked upon that like this is an offensive film. Oh, this is a very regressive movie. Right. If that movie came out tomorrow, people would burn down the house. Yeah, they would literally burn down the movie house. (laughs) Um, No, I mean it's a terrible, terrible piece of shit. This is what I was gonna say. Do you think one of the American Pie sequels has a scene where there isn't the entire premise of burning down the house just that it's outrageously crazy to imagine that Steve Martin would be friends with a black lady? Correct. It's like the whole idea. It's like Steve Martin's got a new friend and it's Queen Latifah. What? $160 million <laughs> domestic. That's the only joke of that film. Yeah, and Eugene God. Levy with cornrows going, you got me straight tripping, bro. That's right. I forgot about that. I mean, that was $60 million oh alone on that line. Uh, that movie is 
fucking awful. Um, do you think there's a scene in one of the American Pie sequels where like Eugene Levy is like, "Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Jim's dad," and they're like, "Who's Jim?" <laughs> I don't know, and I don't care to find out. I haven't even seen... I've only seen American Pies 1 and 2. I have not seen Wedding or Reunion. Oh, bro, you got to attend the wedding. <laughs> I do not, and I won't. This is another thing. Jonathan Braylock, who gives me shit all every fucking week on Twitter. You see it every week. He's coming hard on he you. Co- he, every week it comes right at me. He's one of our fans. Braylock, friend former of the podcast, guest. former guest, friend of mine. I love you, John, but every week you come after me. <laughs> And this week he committed the most unforgivable sin, which was suggesting that we do Brett Ratner one one day as a blank check. He is not a blank check filmmaker in the slightest. Tower He's Heist, not. though. <laughs> he is the uh, he's someone who literally Hollywood be would just be like, can you imitate the style enough of like Silence of the Lambs to do us a Red Dragon? Like, yeah. can you copy Brian Singer quickly just to do X Men: The Last Stand? You know, just come on quickly. I can't wait to see how Braylock live tweets us talking about him right now. But I also love that, like, for the first half of our podcast, when he would live tweet the episodes, he'd be like, Griffin, what the fuck are you talking about? And now he's switched to coming no, on really he, hard on you. He's he's so cruel to me. It's Ben, it's you're every up next. Week. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna face the Bray pretty soon. Oh, no, All right. Oh no. So let's move on. Because what's our bro? running what's our running time, Ben? Uh, about an hour. Okay, cool. All right. Great. So yeah, we're we're getting done. Okay, we'll be done in two minutes. Uh <laughs> uh. So world record. It's yeah. the next one. Okay. Uh, create a screenplay by Kawajiri, who did the screenplay for program, and directed by Takeshi Koiki. I don't know. I'm I, I'm certain I'm mangling some of these names, and I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I I don't really have anything for you on him. Anyway, this is also kind of cool looking, also weird looking. Yeah. It's about a runner, like a sprinter, who breaks the world record for sprinting. And there's this suggestion that he's so good at this that he's almost like a glitch in the matrix, and he's becoming somewhat aware that the world is not and as somehow it seems. manipulating. Right. Yeah. And the agents show up to try and like stop him, basically from like basically you know breaking the world record. They don't want to do like weird. superhuman neo stuff. Um, can I give this a uh, short an award? Uh, I would I would like to give. I was nodding. I would like to give world record. Da, na, 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 na. The award for most animated knee sweat. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of knee, a lot of calf in this movie. A lot of movie. calf. But a lot of calf. I'd say there's probably 20, a solid, I'm not overestimating here, a solid 20% of this runtime is a close up of a knee with like just beads of sweat, like spring, like propelled off of it, like spring loaded mm-hmm. off of the knee. I mean, the film is dramatizing an eight-second hundred-meter dash, so you know it really has to slow things down. It's like sinewy. <laughs> You're seeing like the muscles like slowly you see his muscles pulsate. like rupture. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. Um, but if you love knee sweat, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna dig this thing hard. Yeah, I think that's enough, right? I think we did it about this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one is like this gets into the sort of like Twilight Zoney like Tales from the Matrix kind yeah. of like. Here are just things that could happen in a world. Right. It has this vaguely interesting idea that he's, right, he's so fast and he's breaking the rules so much that he, like, what kind of, they're kind of trying to shock him in his pod back into submission. Yeah. And he's briefly aware of, like, being in the pod. Like, he briefly escapes and then, you know, sort of locks back into the Matrix. You know, the code sort of starts to lift. Kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and the ending is cool. Like, his legs totally rupture and then it cuts to him at the hospital and he's and the got agents these big are like, braces. he will never walk again. And then he fucking wills himself and, to walk. And says, free. Yeah. Which is maybe 
laying it on a little thick. The next film mm-hmm. is called Beyond, and it's written directed by Koji Morimoto, who is a Japanese anime director who uh, worked on Akira, worked on Kiki's Delivery Service. He's the co-founder of Studio Four Degrees. I don't know. He's oh, a guy. Studio Four Degrees. <coughs> yeah, we, we're, we're anime neophytes. Yeah, we really are. I we mean, really. I really I know, I know shit. And now I'm gonna anime. pretend to it's know. It's crazy. I know sh- so much shit about so many nerdy things that anime is just the biggest blind spot. I don't. I just never there's got into weird, it. Apart like, from the Pokemon anime, which yes. I watched every episode. But there's like so much nerd stuff that I know just from sort of osmosis, from proximity. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you spend enough time in a comic book store, you start to know about other yes. adjacent nerd properties just because you're like in those worlds. I I know like certain anime titles, but I lo- know like fucking nothing. You know? What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I got pretty much heavy metal. And that's about it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't really... That was that's a, not even anime. No, it was, a just fre- an that was French. Movie. That was French, Ben. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's cool, though. I didn't it, realize yeah. it was specific to, I guess, Japan? Uh, anime? Yeah, I think anime, like, uh, yeah. I think specifically... Yes. Can I also say you oh, liking anime inspired stuff? Uh, you liking heavy metal is uh, the least surprising yeah, thing I ever. That's pretty. <laughs> oh, and there's another thing that Ben likes that we're gonna talk about in a few minutes. Well, so I won't tease talk about it. Yeah, I mean, oh, don't God. don't spoil. No, 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 no. I mean, about it doesn't matter. We'll get to it. Oh, oh, about the Animatrix. You're saying yeah, we'll get yes, to it. Yes, we'll get yes, to yes, it. Anyway, yes, Beyond. Yeah. Beyond's cute. Yeah, this is probably. I don't think it's the worst one, but it's the most kind of inconsequential one. For Very me. inconsequential. It's basically a bunch of kids, including a teenage girl. Stumble across a glitch in the matrix, like a weird house where weird shit happens. Yeah. And they play around there, and then it gets fixed by the agents, and that's the end of that. This also, I mean... Uh, Looks good. Looks uh, well, nice. see, I was going to say, this is actually my least favorite oh, anime. sort of Just, it's very style traditional. of anime. It's, traditional. it's very traditional. It's sort of limited movement, expressive like uh, backgrounds, but like... Um, their faces are pretty static, you know. I, I mean, it's just it's not it's not aesthetically my kind of thing. I'm not going to try to explain it because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's uh, kids it's just looking for a cat. Yeah, take care of your cats, guys. Yeah, I think let's focus on that for a second. Jeez, no. let's not. You don't want to focus on that. I don't want to focus on it. <laughs> I don't. I want to move on to the next story, which is called a detective story. Because you could put a chip on the cat and you could track it with the GPS. Yeah. Uh yeah, cool, good ideas, guys. A cat, detective cat story. We're booking through these. Well, because I feel like we're gonna talk a lot about matriculated. I think so we're too. more yeah. than an hour in already. What is a yeah. bell gonna do? You know? Yeah. What you <laughs> may put an iPod shuffle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So you can hear different songs rather than just the bell over and over and over again. A detective story is written and directed by Shinichiro Watanabe. Oh, he directed Bring Down the House, right? Uh, he. <laughs> No, I already mentioned him, I think. He he also worked on um uh fuck. Uh it's coming, it's a kid's story. Okay. Uh anyway, uh the although the animation is by a guy called Kazuto Nakazawa. And this one is a prequel to the Matrix, sort of. Like to the original Matrix, sort of. Yeah. Uh it's got a nice animation style. L- love the look of this. This no- noir y rainy black and white. Uh, sort of 40s pulpy kind of thing, uh, done in voiceover. I mean, it's got it's got that whole sort of vibe to it. Yeah, it's basically about a private detective called Ash, who's uh-huh. voiced by James Arnold Taylor, uh-huh. who is uh, famous 
I don't know if you know this, for playing Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars Clone Wars and all other animated related things. I knew I recognized that name. I was going to say, again, like you were saying, they employed a lot of the big... uh, VO guys. The VO guys, yeah. Yeah. He is given a case to track down this hacker trinity, Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of Alice in Wonderland shit, like in the movie, while he looks for her. And that's kind of that. He finds her. She tries to free him, but the... The agents are going to, like, jump into his body, so she has to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's okay. Hell of a case, though. Lights a cigarette, and that's the end of that. Yeah, I mean, story-wise, it's kind of caca poo-poo. Uh-huh. It looks amazing. It does have that interesting idea, though, of, like, why don't the agents just jump into Neo's body? Yes. and Like, which is never really redressed. Ben threw out something that I kind of like. Do you, do you want to state your case for this one, Ben? Uh... I don't know if I remember that. The thing you were saying about him sort of being so uh, old-fashioned? Oh, yeah. Like, he would never be able to uh, actually deal with the reality of the world. Like, you know, that he's stuck in the 40s. Like, the fact that this guy is, like, fashioning himself as, like, a Philip Marlowe character. Right. Even just in how his, like, internal monologue sounds. But you realize he's in fucking 1999 because it's, you know, set the Matrix. Sure. So it's like oh, this guy he's he's in the wrong genre. Sure. You know when he finds out that the like he's now tipping into stepping into this territory and it's like no 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 don't don't even deal with this. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <coughs> okay, well don't fart too much. You said kaka poo poo. Yeah, a couple minutes back. Why do you have any further things to say? No, I think it looks nice. Yeah, it looks okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the final short, which I think is the best, and you agree, yep. uh, is called Matriculated. It's written and directed by Korean-American director Peter Chung, who is widely known for his work on Eon Flux. Correct. The MTV awesome 90s animated series. Adapted into the uh, mangled... Uh, Strange Karen Kusama, uh, uh, Charlie's Theron yes. starring film. Yes. Correct. Matriculated has a very cool animation style because this guy's got a really, I mean, he's a really amazing animator and this really cool story. Yeah, so this is getting into, like, if you separate these into categories, it's like, okay, there are the ones that overlap with the Matrix. Films, yes. Right, which is, like, sort of detective story to a lesser degree. We already talked about this. Right, this uh, this gets into the... Here, here's just exploring the idea. Yeah, like what? It's just this is a sort of off the wall idea of like, oh, what if you did this? Right, and it's not like, oh, here's another story set in it. Here's a different character. This is like, what's a whole different like sort of philosophical angle to hit the Matrix world from? Right, which I love. Yeah, because it's too easy to just think like, okay, so what happens is everyone just drives around in the weird hammer ships, and they fight squids. They go into the Matrix sometimes. And that's what they do. You know, it's nice yeah. to see something else that humans do in the real world, which is this band of humans who kidnap robots, you know, AI yeah. creatures. They, like, lure them into their base, plug them into a matrix, like into a, an artificial world, and try to interact with them on that level. Yes. And, like, see if they can win them over, basically. Right. Yeah. So, uh, it starts out with this cool, Aeon looking woman. Because, and I think it's not really to, talked about in the films at all but like the squids are not high AI no they just are search and destroy they're like bots. grunts yeah, yeah exactly so it's not like the squids sit around and they're like 
crazy day. A tough day I, at work. I yeah. flew around sewers for a millennia. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. I haven't had a vacation in fucking like eight months. They, but, I'm flying all the time. I'm exhausted. My tentacles ache really hard. <laughs> all 8,000 of them. I keep getting hit with EMPs, which yeah, sucks. All the time. Here's the other thing. Do you know what it's like to go to work every day and know that everyone hates you? <laughs> like, I'm just getting all this negative energy all the time. So that's what's happening in Matriculate. They're catching one of these basically search and destroy bots. It's called and, a runner. It's got right, little stilt It's even stilt smaller yeah. than the squid sentinels. It's, it's kind of like a daddy long legs, maybe. Right, And but they plug them into this artificial world, and they try to interact with it there. Right, so it starts out with just, like, the thing looks amazing, and it's this Anne Fluxy-looking woman and her pet monkey. I think it's a Tarsier? Sure, it's a little monkey in a bottle. Uh, really adorable-looking. And they're, like, getting this this walker to the runner to chase them, and they get back to a zone, and then they're trapped, and then the thing's kind of caught, and then, like, the wall comes up, and everyone's there applauding, and they're like, nice work, nice work. Right. But the whole first part of it, you're like, maybe it's just a chase thing. Maybe this whole short's going to be just, like, a her-on-the-run thing. Right. And then they're like, good. Then there's this really good scene I like, which is her talking to the scientist Mm -hmm. while he's sort of, like, doing upkeep on the machines. And they're talking about the whole idea of consciousness within these machines. Right. You know? And dream states versus living states and whether, like, the dreams make you feel alive, you know, or... It's a really cool idea. It's just good. It's good dialogue. The girl, we should say, is voiced by Melinda Clark, who's famous. A famous voice actress, but also famous for being on the OC for many years as Julie Cooper. Yes. And she was also in the motion picture Spawn. Oh, yeah. Way back in the day. But she does a lot of voice acting. Yeah. Um, But uh, she... um, that, that you don't really know where it's going at that point. And then they like sit down in a circle mm-hmm. and he's it's like, cool. would you mind plugging me in? And they think of the thing in the middle and they plug him in. It feels a little inception too, where it feels like they're going into like the human subconscious. Because then when you get to the aesthetics of the world that they show you here, it's very, um, it's, I mean, it's really brightly colored. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of, um, I don't know. It it looks like it looks different. I don't know. Yeah, it it sort of looks like these like sort of um, religious paintings almost. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, um, but it, I think the idea is it's supposed to be more of a melding of man and machine brain thinking. I don't know. Right, but also the idea that it's not as clinical as the Matrix that the machine world's created, yes. which is about literally representing yeah. these things. Right. This is incorporating emotions. Right. Yeah, you know, That's this totally is incorporating it. the human feeling. So it is a lot more sort of fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, impressionistic. Impressionistic is the word I was looking for. Mm. Thank you. Uh, it looks fucking amazing. Yes. I could watch it forever. Well, they run around for a while, and eventually the robot's eyes turn green yeah. rather than red, which suggests that there's been some sort of a change. Yeah, they're still sort of getting the the runner to chase them around within this world, but yeah. they like know what they're fucking doing. Oh, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. this is the thing, this is the routine, we do this all the time. Um, um, and then the machines come and sort of rout this, you know, little human stronghold and kill all the humans except for the girl. Yeah. And this robot, feeling sad about it, tries. Are oh, you talking to... about back in the in the real world? Yes. 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 Well, let's. What we is there spe- something we else? We spent time in the dream. No, because you did. We did a quick, quick turn in the thing. Oh, okay. They fine. like plug the out, real... and they're like, "What's wrong?" And they're like, "Fucking sentinels coming." Sure. So the the robot's still plugged in, and the main lady's still plugged in. No, 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 no. Oh, they're she all plugged. Unplugged. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to find out these sentinels, and everyone gets killed except mm-hmm. for her and and the main robot. What I just said. Yeah, but you didn't explain what that I just it was. Said. It sounded like it was within the fantasy. And sequence. then so the good robot 
plugs himself back in and plugs the lady back in because he's sad. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And then she realizes what's going on and she literally dies. She like screams and disappears. It's cool. Yeah. And then he's all alone. It's incredible. It is. It's very good. It's very it's a very good idea. Uh it's a it's a fuck killer concept. It looks unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um they're all naked. Mm. But like brightly colored. Whoa, that's what you, you know? like. Yeah, I like them. Orange bodies. Um, I I do I do like I like green people. Love a green person. Yeah, you haven't seen Warcraft yet, right? Paul seeing Patton's it, green. Seeing it that tomorrow. Seeing it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it might be enough to get me to go see that movie because I like. I think Warcraft is gonna be a film we're gonna have to talk about one day. Yeah, I agree. It is a textbook movie that we talked about blank just like why why was all this money spent because the reaction is either people saying that was the worst film i ever saw in my entire life yeah or people saying like i don't know i think i enjoyed it (sighs) like but without really being able to defend it can i can i just like stump for a second here yeah so warcraft cost a lot of money to make right uh, yeah, and it's based on this big property that's existed for a long time that has like passionate defenders and it's like a sensitive for twenty years, right? Sensitive material, right? Like sort of like holy material to its fan base. Uh, how many times are we fucking reading pieces where like studio executives are saying like, look, just there aren't enough women who are bankable enough, there aren't enough non-white men who are bankable enough, there aren't gay actors who are bankable enough okay. to lead a big blockbuster? Who's the fucking lead of Warcraft? Who is this fucking Jamoke with the beard? Uh, Travis Fimmel, he's in Vikings. Oh, oh, of course, Travis Fimmel for Vikings. Vikings. He, he can carry a two hundred million dollar movie. No, I agree with you. What, what the fuck is like? Because here's the thing: if you're going like, oh, oh, Taylor Kitsch, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, he's unproven, but he's done. He's doing four of these at the same time. We think maybe we could balance this thing on him. Who fucking knows Travis Fimmel? Uh, I have to disagree with you. Taylor Kitsch is the exact same scenario. I'm sorry. I like Taylor Kitsch. I think he was great on Friday Night Lights, and I get why studios all wanted to bank on him, but it's the same objectionable thing. Find actors of color who are unproven. I think both are shitty. Both shitty. Sorry. But, Travis Fimmel was on a successful TV show that people like. But, like, here, you but know, here's the difference. Like, I, I mean, I don't like it or I anything. I guess but. here's the one marginal difference for me why I find Travis Fimmel even like a step beyond, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm saying one's mm-hmm. worse than the other. Mm-hmm. The They're Travis Fimmel thing is for me. I remember when Friday Night Lights was on, everyone was like, "This Taylor Kitsch guy, someone should put him in movies." Yeah, like it felt like people wanted to see him in movies. He wasn't a big deal, but anyone who watched that show was like, "He should be in movies." I haven't heard anyone ever fucking say Travis Fimmel's name. Eh, he's good in Maggie's Plan. Oh, great! Give him a two hundred million dollar blockbuster. Dude, I just—I'm sorry, I don't disagree with your point. I violently disagree with you on the Taylor Kitsch thing. It's the same shit. It's the same shit Hollywood pulls Fimmel's all the a time. Step worse. No, it's the same shit Hollywood's always pulled, and it would be worse only if Taylor Kitsch had been in one movie. But he was in multiple giant blockbuster yeah, I franchises. Guess that even that. Was he got, it was egregious. He got like three at the same and time. And not only that, he never should have done it anyway because it fucked his own career. Like, he was an idiot for signing off for John Carter, you know, playing Gambit, and there's another big one. I'm uh, uh, Battleship. Yeah. What the fuck was he thinking? <laughs> now, at least Battleship makes sense because it's a Peter Berg movie and Peter Berg made Friday Night Lights. So you can see... Yeah. Why Peter Berg is like, okay, but here's a guy Don't for sign me. up for all three. Pick one. <laughs> Pick one, bro. It's just, I mean, the mistakes that actor made, and I love Taylor Kitsch. I think yeah. he's a very charming actor in the right situation. Still, it really, it really makes me mad. But then the same temp, Gaius Charles, who played, um, uh, fuck, 
not street. I'm trying to remember their names on a Friday. Night. Did you watch Friday? Night I didn't watch. Oh Friday shit! Yeah. What's what? The... I have to look it up because it's driving me crazy. They all have you know kind of silly. Oh, Smash Williams. That's his name, right? Uh, well, what is his name? Smash. Williams? He's black. He's a black okay. actor. He and uh, he was that's a great name. Smash Williams. He's great. They're all. They've all got great. Jason Street, Smash Williams, and uh, that's incredible. Whatever Taylor Kitsch's character's name, yeah. Tim Riggins. Uh, he shit. He's had no career. You yeah. know, he's like a guest star on Grey's Anatomy. Like it's nothing. Like it's it's right there. It's stark. It's laid out for you right there. What happens here? Michael B though. Yeah, Michael B, who of course was he's on got the, the later seasons of, of Friday Night Lights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's a great. More of that, please. Yeah, more of that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, you just you got my goat there. But I mean, I don't like Travis Fimmel either. Like being in movies. I'm not saying. That I the assume they wanted thing should have happened. I want to make that clear. I just the Travis Fimmel one. I was like, it's bad. Who the fuck is this? It's bad. I hadn't but even heard of him. My before. guess is they were just like, well, we need kind of Viking types, right? Because isn't this like medieval? Like you know. They they probably weren't thinking very hard about it. Get the yeah, Vikings guy. Crazy to I mean, me. Dominic Cooper is in it. It's a lot of, yeah, a lot of uh, no name white guys are in that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like the, oh Ben Foster. Yeah, the king of Ben of no name white guy performance. Yeah. I mean, I love Ben Foster once in a while, but I love him once in a while. I think he plays a goofy wizard in this, and I'm interested to see it. Yeah, Paula Patton though. Well, but this is the thing, Paula Patton. But they totally screw her over. She's like crazy green, like CGI with big teeth and. Right, like she she gets bad roles. Philosophically, I hate that she can only be in a movie like that yeah. if she's green. What was the other thing that she? But on in a this base year? level, I like green ladies. Well, yeah, no, nothing That's wrong the with problem. a green lady. I like do. I enjoyed Zoe Saldana in Guardians of the Galaxy. Me too. I like green without ladies. you know. Oh, the other thing she's in this year. Oh, what a bummer. The do over. What a bummer. Yeah, the Adam Sandler Netflix film. Doer's got a pretty good cast. Paul was... Patton's so good in Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah. I wish I'd kept her on. Yeah, me too. Me too. Who? Although Rebecca Ferguson was uh, bomb, bomb. Well, bomb. Here, here's a crazy idea. Have both. What? Mm, one woman. No. <laughs> yeah, what if, I know. What if I know. Patton was still part of the team, and Rebecca Ferguson still had the exact same. Plot Especially because Paul Pat Paula Patton didn't have any. Uh, like there wasn't a romantic plotline with Tom Cruise per se. Pointedly, didn't have exactly. a romantic. Whereas plot Rebecca line. Ferguson, there's more of that going on. What do you think, Ben? Uh, <laughs> Sometimes I love to throw it to Ben just so we <laughs> freeze up. <laughs> I I have been tuned tuning out this whole part. Yeah. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Eh, we're having fun. Uh one thing you do know that we're talking about is the Ben Surprise. So let's talk about the Ben Surprise. The big Ben Surprise. Do we have any is, Well, I guess we'll say goodbye to the Wachowskis right at the end. Holy shit. I'm not doing well, folks. Yeah. The Big Ben Surprise. Yeah. Cue it up for us. Okay. So we wanted to do a palate cleanser. This is the end of the Wachowski. We're, we're going to get to our final Wachowski thoughts. Um, and we were looking, what, what's a good palate cleanser? Because we, we didn't really do one. Batman vs. Superman ended up being our lost episode. We wanted to do one miniseries. Mm-hmm. All these ideas were kind of things we talked about before. But we're looking long term. And we're like, someone would, you know, someone would suggest something. And we'd go like, ah, but we might want to do that director at one point. Do we want to take that off the table? And if we do that miniseries later, do we have to do it again? What are we going to do? How do we do one that doesn't cancel it out? I said the only option is old dogs. David said no. Yeah, I did. I said no. <laughs> I said old dogs, though. Mm-hmm. He said no, though. Yeah, that's correct. And then I said, wait a second. Ben, what's your favorite movie ever? Yeah, we just threw to Ben. Like, just Ben, off the top of your head. And you were like, how would that be a blank check? And I was like, what if the blank check is we're given... Birthday Benny, the peeper himself, <laughs> the blank check. Now, I want to make it clear. I was very in support of this idea. 
But but I had like to, when you because well, once no, that angle was well, I want to say like the real evolution was I was like I really don't want to do old dogs. Maybe if we called it like Griffin's Choice right. and like then I get to pick a movie that you don't really want to do someday. Then you said, what if it was Ben's Choice? And you know you've said before we do this podcast. This podcast is done to Ben. Sure, <laughs> it is. We so once a lot. I mean, he just just now was tuning out our. Annoying, chattering voices. But people love it when Ben gets passionate about something, when he finds something he really wants to fight for. So he said, what's the movie that Ben wants to fight for the most? Yeah. And Ben has the floor, and for once the tables are turned, and Ben gets to sell us on a movie. Yeah. And I said, Ben, what would that movie be? Off, just fire it out. Fire the first name out of your head. And this was a, a three-way text conversation we were having, yep. right? Yep. Yep. The response came in within three seconds. Mm-hmm. Which factoring in signal times means Amazing. he probably typed it in within one second, yes. right? And and he responded with a single word. Yeah. And that word, Ben, would you like to share that one word with the audience? Uh, sure. It was uh, uh, Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Chevy Chase film from 1985. We said, Ben, you can vouch for any the, film. Ben's the Michael pick- Ritchie detective comedy. <laughs> yes. Followed by Fletch Lives. Ben, you can right. pick any film in history. Yeah, yeah. And Ben said, I want to fight for Fletch. I love Fletch. Fletch. So next week we'll be covering <laughs> Fletch. Here's one thing I want to say about Ben's this. Ben's got the check and he's cashing it in on Fletch. That's right. Here's one thing I want to say about this. Yeah. I've never seen Fletch. I have. Okay. I think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's going to be fighting for Fletch. That's what I'm excited for. Ben's going to fucking fight for Fletch. Well, it's the kind of movie, comedy movie I like where it's all about the jokes, right? And a lot of the times the jokes break momentum. The story isn't even that good. But I, I don't know. I, I, For whatever reason, as a kid, I was obsessed with this movie. I could quote like it at length. So It's all about ball bangers these days? It is. Yeah. I'll have a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich. Yeah. Char- charge it to the underhills. Well, it's got some good jokes for me. But next week, uh, Ben's taking the reins. Yes. We're talking Fletch. Yes. This is exciting, too, because David's never seen this movie. I've never seen it. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting balance. Someone who loves Fletch, someone who's fine with Fletch, and someone who's never seen Fletch. Never seen Fletch. Yeah. And then after that, we're going to do our next miniseries. Yeah. Yeah, about Cameron Crowe. We've officially decided, here's why we're doing Cameron before James. We respect your votes. Yeah. We're doing James right afterwards. Cameron and Cameron. Yes. Uh, The reason we're doing Cameron first is that uh, Rhodey's... pure cynical marketing. Yeah. Rhodey's premieres in June, and we think Late it would June. be nice to dovetail in with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, he'll be on our minds. It's his, he's got a Showtime show, for yes. people who don't know what Rhodey's is. Yeah, yes. It's his new show on Showtime. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's possibly a redemption moment for him. Could be. Could Maybe, be. you know, a new medium will revitalize him. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we did James Cameron first, by the time we got to Cameron Crowe, and we're then trying to talk about roadies. Yeah. It would be, yeah, you know, little, either yeah. it'll be a done deal, people will like it and it won't be exciting, yeah. or it'll be over and, and we'll be beating a dead horse. Because you know what this podcast is, is we, we talk about fresh stuff, like the Animatrix, you yeah. know? We really like to be on topic. Keep it fresh. Fresh. So anyway, the Fresh Maker, uh, no, we actually <laughs> have to name the podcast. I don't know what we're going to call the Jan- uh, the Cameron Crow podcast. Yet, uh, I guess we'll think uh, about Pod that. had me at cast. Show me the podcast. We I mean, some you had me at podcasting is a pretty delightful, simple. <laughs> it's so silly. You like podcasting rather than podcast? Because it's just hello. It's not you had me at helloing. 
There's something so funny about it to me. Um, you had me a podcast. Yeah, you had me a podcast. Yeah. It just feels so sudden. You had me a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, feel free to write in names. But we could do, we'll think about yeah. other stuff, too. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, almost podcasters. Yeah, something like that. We'll do something like that. We're not going to call it, like, Podmarin. Castro. 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 Yeah, exactly. We bought a podcast? <laughs> we bought a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> podcast thing. town? Podcast town. Uh, Podcasting town? Podcasts. For singles? You get it? Mm, I do. Uh, that film, the only acting appearance of Tim Burton. I'm sure we'll talk about that at length. Podcast anything. <laughs> We're almost done. Yeah. Uh, pod any cast. Okay. Okay. Yeah yeah. 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 Do we get through all that? Well, there? we haven't done Aloha. It's a hard one to do. Pod low. Yeah. I cast. don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're, okay. So next week, talking Fletch. Week after that, podcast me at, at, at hello. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Podcast me at hello is kind of fun. You had me at podcast is good, man. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'll be we better always by- argue over the name. I know. I'll be better by then. I won't be sick. It'll and then, be easier to sound and then and after, listen to. Yeah. After that, we will do- James uh, Cameron. James Cameron. I promise you. I just feel like a break from genre filmmaking, this is the argument I, think I was making to too. Griffin, yeah. would be nice. Just, you know, just a little bit of a- a different stream before we dip into literally the most famous genre filmmaker of all time. And look, the, both the Camerons who are never made a non-genre yes. movie. Uh, both the Camerons are pretty close in voting. We're do, we're just gonna do both of them. We're flipping the order from how you want it, but it was close enough. And I hope you respect our reasons and you don't take it personally. We love uh, you. Yeah, we, we love you. Cherish your opinions. We do, but also, you know, it's like uh, if if you don't like it, it's our podcast. And here's uh, and it's a free podcast. And let's say this: if you're wondering what the next palate cleanser would be after that, little teaser, we then kept the text thread going because you were like, "Wait, I want to hear what other stuff Ben likes." Ben, tell me other movies you like. And Ben started listing movies. Yeah. And at one point, we said, "What's your absolute number one favorite movie? Not what movie would you most like to talk about in the podcast? Not what movie do you most want to defend? Mm-hmm. What's your number one with a bullet all time history of cinema?" Favorite movie. And Ben's answer was? The Man Who Knew Too Little. The Bill Murray comedy from the 19- John Emil joint. <laughs> which I saw as a child. Me haven't too. seen since. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Remember definitely. him in a Russian hat? Yeah, me too. That's all I remember. So maybe one day we'll do The Man Who Knew Too Little. I also said Stargate. I like Stargate. Yeah, that a I really lot. wanted to do, but yeah. Griffin was like, maybe we'll do Roland Emmerich one day. And I was like, what? You should totally fucking do Roland Emmerich. I don't want to do him. He's made too many, you know, crappy little movies. I love Dare to Tomorrow. <sighs> I love. I just feel Dare like that's so far down the road and also, but Stargate is bonkers. Can't deny that. Yeah. Uh, you ever see Anonymous? No, no, I haven't seen Anonymous. We also get to talk Stonewall. Give me a hundred. Oh yeah, that's that's one of the worst films I've ever seen. That's one of the worst films I've ever seen. I saw that movie. It's so bad. Uh, Yeah, give me a hundred million dollars. Oh, what for? Listen to this. A scientist played by James Spader (laughs) goes through a portal to ancient Egypt, but they're really aliens. And here you go, uh, writing the check. Let's do it. This will be the first movie to ever have a website. Uh, who's who's the villain? Oh, you know, Jay Davidson. <laughs> yeah, you know, Academy Award nominee Jay Davidson, who is the uh, dude who everyone thought was a lady in the crying game. And he never plays acted again. Ra. Those are the only two film performances two, two from Jay Davidson. Pretty good. Two for two. Yeah. Yeah, batted 100. Got an Oscar nom for one, got an action figure from the other. Book closed. 
Uh, they didn't stop there. They ooh, made a show out of it. Oh, boy. They did. They made several shows out of it. I think there's three different Stargate shows. Is that possible? I think there's Stargate. Yeah, Stargate, Stargate Atlantis. Stargate and Atlantis believe, and Stargate Universe. Well, am I wrong in thinking there was also a Stargate animated series at some point? No. Stargate the animated series? I don't know. Maybe. MacGyver was in Stargate SG-1. Yeah, I know. MacGyver. Um, anyway, we're not doing Stargate, so I don't know why we're talking so much about Stargate. Because well, we might do Stargate at some point. Uh, so that's that. And that's that. And so any last thoughts on the Wachowskis? We didn't really relate these to the Wachowskis, but that's because the Wachowskis didn't have as heavy a hand in the Animatrix. Um, but these are all, you know, it's just cool to see people playing in their world. And Griffin, what are you looking at? I'm trying to pull up something. It'll make sense in a second. Say your final thoughts on, on the Wachowskis. I'm going to miss them. I think they're some of Hollywood's most just boldest voices, and I'm just going to miss talking about their movies. I was so happy to talk about all these movies. I, I really enjoyed uh, actually getting to see the full Matrix trilogy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I really got won over, like a lot of our listeners, to uh, Speed Racer and uh, uh, Jupiter Ascending was great, too. And I just li- I think that I like that they're filmmakers that have really big ideas because I, I, I like big things. Uh, I do, too. I think they're great. Um, I, I will say I was talking to a friend the other day and I kept on saying like, you know, we do this, you know, that's our struggle. Like they were saying like we and our, and he was like, what's with all this like lofty we and our stuff. And I was like, honestly, I think that's just, I've been watching Wachowski movies for like the last two and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've really kind of made me, Mm -hmm. you know, when you see them all in a row Mm -hmm. like this. You get into this very sort of humanist, like empathetic sort of space of just- this is a time when we need a lot of that. We need some it's a, it's a bit of a grim time. Yeah. In the world. I just watched like three hours of Donald Trump on my TV last night, I feel like. Yeah, can I say something? I don't like that guy. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Brother. Yeah. I don't like him either. No, but here's here I and I don't know if I'm gonna get controversial here when I say this. Mm-hmm. Not only do I not like him, I don't want him to be president of the United States. I agree with you. Uh watch us lose a bunch of listeners. What if it turned out that all all of our listener base was like just big Trump heads. <laughs> um, I am. I'm just looking at our podcast reviews for the first time in a while. Have you seen these? Yeah, a couple of really weird ones. Um, I, I thank the Wachowskis for helping my worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love them. I want them to go, get to make more movies again. I hope we're lucky enough. You know, with a week's distance, I definitely appreciate Sense8 a little more for what it is. But like, I want to see them making tight. You know, fucking motion picture extravaganza. Yeah, on and a I hope they screen. do again. And when they do, we'll be there. Oh, we'll be there, open and day. Yeah. All right. So, what do you want to read? From and our phone? promise, you know, if there's another Wachowski, we're doing a one-off. To always know any know. filmmaker we've covered, if they have a new film coming out, we're gonna go back to the well. Here are the filmmakers we'll do: George Lucas, Georgie Porgy, anything in the Star Wars series, mm-hmm. M Night Shyamalan, mm-hmm. and now the Wachowskis, all added to the roster, all added to the shelf. Mm-hmm. I'd and like, if there's a sequel to The Judge. Oh, Judge, yeah. Judge 2. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a real cliffhanger at the end of the film. You wonder if he's going to become a judge. Um, I would like to do a little <laughs> merchandise spotlight. Go ahead. Because there is one piece of merchandise that is showcased specifically what in is it? the Samsung SPH N270. What's that? The Matrix phone. That, you mean that weird phone that she drops in Final Fight of the Osiris? Yes, which they made as a real phone. Can you give it even spell it out for me? Uh, S-P-H 
N2 70. Uh, made to resemble the phone used in the Matrix Reloaded and right. also the final flight of the stars. Yeah, now, by the way, guys, this is not the actually cool phone that's just a normal sort of, like, slide phone that oh. Neo uses in the first Matrix. This is the, like, really bonkers sci-fi phone that they all use in the sequels that are, is cool in its own way. Uh, uh, and I quote, The design crew of the Matrix were closer to Samsung develop a phone whose features and release date would coincide with the movie. Oh, nice that they made the release date coincide with the movie. Now, here's, the, here's where I get tripped up. Ready? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the SPH N270 was not intended as a mainstream phone for everyday use. Okay. When have you ever heard anyone use the term mainstream phone? <laughs> I don't know. You know that weird indie cell phone you have? <laughs> I don't know. Mainstream. Instead, it was marketed solely to fans of the series as a piece of rare, high-quality merchandise. Maybe it was super expensive. Maybe that's what that means. Uh, perhaps the most remarkable feature, it's a spring-loaded earpiece which snaps up to reveal the screen. Mm-hmm. So it's like the snap is, the, the screen covering is the ear. I, I don't know, whatever. Right. Um, and then it says, uh, where, where's the thing here? Uh, there's a section relation to the Matrix. The green code on a black background made famous by the Matrix is found in many menus of the phone by default. Right. So it's got Matrix menus, which are probably just hard to read. Uh, probably really hard to read. The phone is mostly made of black plastic, and the button shows stylized green digits. Yeah. The manual box and collector sin also feature the Matrix code. Um, and they, oh, and here's a here's a good detail. Uh, the charger is the only item in the package with no reference to the Matrix film. Um, Thank you for all that, Griffin. When it boots up, the Matrix is displayed on the screen. Yes. The phone's turned off. The message goodbye is shown. A manner reminiscent of Neo's first encounter with the Matrix. Yeah. And it comes with three screensavers themes. All right. Enough. 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 I'm turning your phone off. This um, can't be the end of the episode. This is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but but can I just say so it was uh, a special edition. It cost five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's why there were uh, ten thousand produced, and you could only use it on Sprint PCS. Here's my question: If you're going to make a big point of the fact that this phone is like, oh, it's meant for collectors, it's not a mainstream phone, it's not for everyday use, then why make it a fucking functional phone? I don't know. Make I, a make a high quality replica, or make something I can use. I don't know. Who's a weirdo? Like, this is a display phone. Joey, I, I, make it a prop. I, I, I got nothing to say to you about this. I don't care. A merchandise spotlight. I'm glad we don't do as many merchandise spotlights. I'll say that much. I'm also just dying in here. Yeah. Um. I'm putting my stuff away right now. Ben. Yeah. What's up? Would you happen to have any entries for the Burger Report? Yeah. I made burgers last night, but there really? were no celebrities present. I, I've eaten four in the last week, and I have seen zero I'm famous. worried about you. There's too many burgers. I'm not doing well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A burger report. Um, have I... Uh, well, there's one that I don't think I'm... Al- All right. Hold on. Give me a second here. You're, um, you're wondering whether you're allowed to share? The there's report? one, yeah, that I don't think I should. Um, Hot report being redacted before it's even shared. Oh, my God. Um, Someday. But, uh, okay, for now, let's see. Let's see. I want to get a good juicy burger report. Okay, here we go. Juicy like a burger. This is cool. This is a good one. Uh, So it was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony. It was in New York. Okay. Um, And... A bunch of people came uh, afterwards to the second floor, so they shut it down. And I was uh, working the bar. 
But I had an opportunity to talk to Tom Waits a little bit. And the he great was Tom Waits. He very was, cool. I was that very, very like I you kind of just get desensitized because you're around so many of these like really huge people. But yeah, Ben that, knows from Famos. I mean, at this point, you can't you can't you know blow Ben's mind, right? But Tom Waits really like I was like very nervous around him. But uh, yeah, I sold him on a burger, and he was like in his you know gravelly voice like it's pretty good. I'll have that burger. This burger's good. I like eating this burger. So uh, that was cool. Um. And then I just talked to him at length about how I'm obsessed with Rain Dogs and Swordfish Trombones, which are like two of like I think his best albums. I didn't know you're such a Waits fan. Love Waits. I don't really like the '70s stuff, the kind of jazzy troubadour stuff, but I like all the like weird experimental avant-garde '80s '90s stuff. That makes yeah, sense. That yeah. fits in with that, the band. That does who, sound like a yeah. band. Um, now let me ask you. You said you had to sell him on the burger. Was it a hard sell? Was he showing resistance? And if so, how did you win him over? Well, I went ahead and I talked to him about uh, the uh, burger being a mix uh, that we do in-house, obviously, but a mix of it's got, uh, you know, different cuts. It's got some fat to it, and it's like uh, just the superior burger as well as it comes with this like really nice kind of like uh, very strong kind of bitey kind of uh, blue cheese. I forget the brand that we used or the variety that we used. And then it's just got some really good uh, shoestring fries tossed with olive oil and rosemary. This podcast is so off the rail. <laughs> Do you not want to get that burger right now? No, let's go get it. I mean, it sounds amazing. I mean, how long has it been since you worked there, Ben? Shit. Uh, a long time. And even still, like, the cell's that good? Mm, I can't even imagine how Waits was hearing it, you know? Sell. I mean, Waits must have gotten it hard. Oh, boy. Um, well, that's great. Uh, of course, that brings us to da, 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 the there's orange, no orange twist, twist file. There's no orange twist file? No, there's not. <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no orange there's twist no file. There's no orange twist file. Okay, fine. So, uh, tune in next week for the orange twist file. Uh, we'll do a big merchandise spotlight for Fletch. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, we'll have some cool guests coming up. We'll do some Fletch fan fiction. We'll read some reviews next week, I think, because we do have some good reviews that we should read next They're week. They're really weird. They're really weird. Uh, but we need to give them their time and their space. Uh, we love the Wachowskis. Please come back to movies. We miss them. Hope to see you They'll soon. come back. They're the greatest, and it's been so much fun talking about them, and I'm excited it's been to talk a, about other people. I'll say this. It's been a privilege to talk about them yes, and to watch their films. It always is. Yes. 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 Um, All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. <gasps> All true. Uh, if you have ideas, any pitches for what we should call our Cameron Crow miniseries, please throw them out. Yep. Uh, into the garbage. Yep. Throw them into your toilet and flush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as always. Yeah. Oh. Well, nice to meet you. I'm uh, Jim Staff. <laughs> <laughs> This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network.